Here, 357. Go up and if you need to, put one right behind his head. We yeah. talked about this ghost bear. How long have you been after this ghost bear? Five years. I just love hunting these animals. That's that's all I care about. Welcome to the Bear Hunting Podcast. So, so my dog, he, um, I was out cutting, he, he goes out with me when I'm cutting wood. Um, I've got chipmunks that have been in my, uh, like they're in my wood pile and, um, he, he, I've been out there cutting them and he goes and runs around the wood pile, you know, chasing these chipmunks. And also I've got bear bait stored in my, uh, in my garage. I, I got like a secondary like garage out by where I store my wood too. And, uh, he's, he's, the chipmunks are all in there. They've been trying to get into my bear bait. That's a whole nother story. But, um, he, he's been chasing around there and, uh, I'll come back to that in a second, but he's been chasing these chipmunks and he, he has had the worst luck this year. He's gotten stung probably four separate occasions by those ground, you know, hornets or wasps or whatever they are. Um, he was just the other day he was running else and he stopped. He was biting at his leg. And I, I saw these, these hornets just swarming him. <laughs> he got, he got hit like a few times and he, he ran out and started biting his leg, trying to get the stingers out and stuff. But it's like, dude, stay away from there. Then he went back in the same spot and got stung again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, just think how bad those bears get stung on those baits with all those hornets. I oh, don't know how they take it. Like, I, I'm sure on there's... the nose and in the mouth. I mean, they eat them. Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if you watch them, you'll see them, too. Like, if, especially if it's hot out while you're, while you're bear hunting. Yeah, you'll see them. It's crazy. But, yeah, so I wanted to say that. So I was... um. For, for bait this year, I, I was really proactive, and I thought, you know, I, with all this COVID stuff, I thought, I don't know if I'm going to get a chance to, um, I don't know what the, like, trail mix supply is going to be this year, and I just had a feeling there'd be a shortage, so I went back in, like, early June, and I, I went to a bear bait place, and uh, uh, and I got a hold of them, and I'm like, do you have any, and the other thing, too, since I'm in Michigan, I have to have chocolate-free bait. Well, um, right. you know, I called him and, and, and he was like, well, I don't have much, I don't have any chocolate free trail mix. And I'm like, well, do you have any nuts or anything? And so he, he hooked me up with, um, it's, uh, they're from this, they're from this company that makes like, uh, seasoned, they're, they're roasted nuts, but they're covered in like a, either like a cinnamon sugar or an apple cinnamon sugar, um, like glaze. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I got a whole pallet of these, but they're in, in cardboard boxes and I thought, well, you know, I'll probably get some loss to chipmunks or whatever. But I put them in my outbuilding because if I put them in my in my normal garage where I park, that's usually where I I put them. But then I get chipmunks all in there, and they cause all kinds of havoc. So this year, my wife yeah. put her foot down, and was like, "Dude, you got to put them put in put in the barn." So I did. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, then you'll get the you'll get the mice in your garage too, and the next thing they'll be. Yep. in the dash of your truck and in your engine and exactly. I've, I've had that problem before. Yep. Yeah, I've had chipmunks true up wiring in my in my car before. So, but uh anyway, so uh I put it in the barn and I thought, yeah, I'll lose some to chip because it's way out there. I don't really get out there much and so I thought, 
yeah, I'll probably use some some bear bait to these chipmunks, <clears throat> but probably not a lot, right? Well, I went in there like three weeks later after I put it in there, and it's just in cardboard boxes. And I couldn't believe how much bait those chipmunks ate. I mean, they chewed through, um, I think they ate, so they, they were like 30-pound boxes of, of nuts. They ate three of them, mm-hmm. like totally gone. And they were chewing through other ones, oh, too. Wow. Yeah, it was unbelievable. And that was just in three weeks. And I thought, whoa, whoa, whoa! I can't if I if I keep at this rate, they're gonna half my bait's gonna be gone by the time you know I go to season. So I went and I put it. <laughs> yeah, I mean it was that's the rate I couldn't believe it. So I put I, I took all my barrels that I had out there and I cleaned them out and then I I put all the nuts I had into there and and I got like four and a half barrels worth of, of nuts there. And uh, these these chipmunks, two of them were plastic barrels. These chipmunks seriously started chewing a hole through the plastic barrel. It was unbelievable. Oh man! Yeah, I haven't had that issue with them yet, but yeah, I've had them chew through cardboard or and, and jump up into the totes and stuff. So I started. I'll take like that. Uh, that kind. It's almost like a saran wrap. It's that plastic wrap that, like, when they. If you get stuff shipped, you know, they wrap it and kind of tie it with it. It's pretty strong stuff. Yeah. I'll usually wrap that around my totes, and then I'll uh, take, like, a uh, plastic vapor barrier, and then I'll wrap that over them, too, and then uh, I'll staple that around and get it all tight, and then I'll usually put, like, a 4 by 4 um plywood top over it and then set another pallet on top of that just to keep any of the animals out but yeah i i know those chipmunks man mm. they they're i mean i have chickens too and they go in and out of our chicken coop <laughs> and it's crazy how much one or two of them little things can eat yeah yeah i i, I was shy i mean i thought you know i'd lose a box or two over the the course of the you know it's sitting in my garage for baiting season I, I didn't you know and that's okay well whatever i didn't realize they eat you know 90 pounds of nuts in in three weeks <laughs> yeah that's like 20 bucks worth of bait already <laughs> yeah i know seriously i couldn't believe it so and i mean they're still they're still trying to get to oh and that's the other thing too so i had um i got these little like really thin pails of apple pie filling too and they were more of a bonus i didn't get a lot yet but um i've never seen this before the chipmunks actually chewed through the plastic opened those up and ate uh, I mean, they're only, they're not, they're like half gallon size, but three half gallon pails of apple pie filling. I don't know what's going on this year. I've never had so many issues with chipmunks getting into stuff, but they actually ate, like ripped open the, the pails. I couldn't believe it. You, uh, how are you guys sitting for like natural food in the woods? It's rough. It's really rough. They, um, must, they must not have anything to eat. No, I noticed because um, I got I have a couple black walnut trees in my yard, and um, there wasn't many of those on there anyway. And normally they don't eat them mm-hmm. until they start till they start falling. They already went through and ate all the black walnuts off my tree, and there wasn't wow. many to speak of. Yeah, so um, yeah, and you know, going around, I didn't see much for the raspberries. They're like non-existent here this year. There's a few blackberries cherries suck my apple trees are they're they look terrible my one i've got it's like a, a granny smith sort of i don't think it's a granny smith but that sort of apple tree it's like a green apple and um 
that one has apple has a lot of apples on it, but my other ones that are more red apples, there's hardly mm-hmm. any apples on them this year. Last year they were loaded. I mean, like the tree was falling over loaded with apples. This year there's hardly anything. Um, you know, acorns driving around, they're sparse. There's some, but there's sparse. some trees have got a bunch, but not many. Um, you know, blueberries don't look very good. Um, I went out looking for wild strawberries. There was hardly any. So natural foods this year are just there. There's hardly any. So, um, yeah, I think, and if that, I, and part of it's because it's been so dry up here. I mean, I don't, I don't know what it's been like there, but for the first, I don't know, pretty much all of June and the first half of July, basically before this week, we had hardly any rain. And I think that just killed everything. This week we've had a decent amount of rain, but I think it's too little too late, most likely. So See here, it didn't, it didn't rain here at all, basically until this week, this weekend. Yep. We got a couple of a little showers last week, mm-hmm. and then I think we got one right before the 4th, but they were like nothing. I mean, yeah. we've been in pretty much fire ban mode here. Yep. Up until, you know, like a week or two ago. Yeah. And now, since like Saturday here, it's been pretty much cool and rainy. And today mm-hmm. it's been raining all day. I mean, I actually have the heat on in, in one of my rooms because it's just to get the dampness out of it. I mean, it's yeah. been it's been really hot here, like abnormally hot for this time of the year i mean people are swimming in lake superior and the rivers and stuff which usually you know by august end of august you'll see that you know like the surface temp out there the guys are saying it's anywhere from 60 to 65 it was 60 to 65 degrees it's yep probably gone down now so today was you know probably 50 some degrees and cold Mm -hmm. and yeah and rainy it almost felt like a november day you know yeah yep but it's there's not much for food here either. I had a uh, the outdoor news for Minnesota. The editor called me and for kind of like a preseason bear report. And I said mm-hmm. ah, I've been out the last couple of days. And I said you know there's like you can see where some like raspberries just want to start. You know, mm-hmm. but not much. And you know there's some uh, June berries in places, but yep. you know they're pretty much ripe. Yep. And there's no wild strawberries that I'm seeing. I'm not seeing any evidence of any hazelnuts. It's been, yep. and and it's been dry too. Like a lot of the beaver ponds, the creeks, and some of the mid, mid-sized rivers are really low. I mean, um, like you say, I, I think even with this rain we're getting, it's probably going to be a little too late. I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see. It's supposed to rain here too this weekend and be um, cooler than normal. So you know some stuff could pop, but I think here it's probably going to be a, a low natural food year. So yeah, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they how they hit the baits. I mean, it's it's been for me here. It's been a few years since I've seen like a real dry low you know, mass crop. Yeah. Last few years, there's been lots of, lots of food in the woods. So yeah, 
yeah, last year was everything was good last year, at least decent last yeah, year. Yeah, the hazelnut you know. crop here was I've I've never seen anything like that before in my life here. I mean, yep. it, I I didn't even realize that I had hazelnuts on my property and they were <laughs> they were everywhere. I'm like, oh wow, I didn't, I didn't even know, you know, because usually you don't see them this close to the lake because it's usually a little cooler at my house. Yeah, and yeah. You get you know like three miles inland from up over the hill from my house, and it's a whole different weather dynamic. You know, it's usually warmer. In the winter, it's colder, and then down at my house in the winter, it's normally less snow and warmer than it would be inland. So yeah, it's crazy. You just got to go three miles inland up over the hill, and it's a it's a total one eighty. Yep, exactly. Yep, it's amazing what that lake does. <laughs> It is. It's unbelievable. And a lot of the reason we haven't been getting a lot of rain is there's been some storms moving through. Like um, Saturday or Sunday night, we were supposed to get some really high sustained winds and a real bad storm. But mm-hmm. the lake kind of sucked it. It sucked it out over the lake. And then just a little bit south of us, we got, you know, a little downpour for about an hour, pretty heavy rain and the power flickered a little bit. But yeah, nothing like I I know over in like central Minnesota in that Brainerd area, Breezy Point, they got pummeled over there. You know. Yeah, yep. We got a pretty bad storm Saturday night too. We didn't lose power or anything, but yeah, I mean, it, it woke me up just the the amount of lightning. It 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 was so bright because I had my window open and uh, I was like, wow, it is bright outside. But yeah. Well, I was I was really nervous. <clears throat> because they were predicting like 70 to 80 mile an hour winds yeah, for about yeah. an hour to two hours. And I'm like, Oh my God, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> the yeah. last time that we had one of those, we had massive blowdown and yeah. Yeah. You know, then you're talking, I got to open up like 60 bait sites and then can you even get to them? And it, it just would have been, yeah. It would have been devastating this close to baiting, you know. Right, because you'd have to have open up so much. I mean, you spent the full time oh, job with the chainsaw. With the forest <laughs> service, you kind of you got to tread lightly because it's not dead wood at that point, and you possibly be, you could be cutting live trees that could be salvageable, and yeah. you really got to tiptoe around it. I mean, we had that the last big storm that we had a real bad winter storm about four years ago where we got real heavy rain and it got cold and it froze overnight and then the high winds came and it was even like the snowmobile clubs were out for months trying to get the snowmobile trails open mm-hmm. and uh, we had some actually two of my really good baits that I've had for a long time we started trying to get back to the first one and we made it about halfway and we, I was like this is pointless, you know, we're, <laughs> wow. we could be here literally all summer trying to get back to these and you had to take an ATV, ATV back to them. So I'm just like, I'm going to let mother nature win on this one, you know, we'll just yeah. find some other spots to go and just, just fighting the, fighting the losing battle, you know? Right. Exactly. Exactly. And it's not like we were cutting down little four inch trees you know we're we're talking <laughs> big spruce and all yep. sort, you know nasty rotten dead stuff and yep, yep. balls pushed up <clears throat> into the trail it was just like totally pointless yeah and with the spruce too it's you know you almost got to limit sometimes otherwise you can't drag it anywhere because it gets caught and stuff and yep yep 
Yeah, that's like the worst part of it is trying to get all the hairy limbs and stuff out of the way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's one thing when like a maple falls down where most of its bare trunk, you know, you can cut it up into movable pieces and you're done. But yeah, when you get when you're dealing with spruce or fir or something like that, yeah, it's just a bear. (laughs) Yep. So it's just an it's just a nightmare. So we lucked out there. Yeah. Yep. That's cool. Yeah, so I mean, you know, back to the natural food. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic this year. Uh, for for the listeners, this is our annual Jimmy and I's annual fall season predictions podcast. So, um, but uh, this season, um, I'm thinking. I don't know. I'm cautiously optimistic because the natural foods are looking bad, and when they're bad means the bears are going to love the baits. So, um, I, uh, I don't know. I'm pretty, pretty optimistic about that, but, um, I don't know. Last year I thought it was going to be a good year, but the weather swooped in at the last minute and made things kind of ridiculous. So I don't know. It all depends on the weather too, but in terms of the natural food, it's going to be. That's one of the big things is the weather. I mean, you can't, you can't control the weather. I mean, we had, we did really good here last year, surprisingly, with how heavy, how heavy the foods were. I mean, we we had, I had, I'd have to look back in my books, but I, we had, you know, I think twenty hunters or something, or twenty hunters with. I had a tag, and my brother had a tag, and we hunted at the end of September, and each got one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, we we dang near would have been a hundred percent. I think I only had one guy who didn't see a bear and I, you know, for, for whatever reason, it just seems like every year you have just that one guy who no matter what, what he does or you do for him and he just doesn't, doesn't see anything. And he's hunted with me before and been successful. So I don't know what, (laughs) what, uh, what happened, but we had a couple wounded the first week that, uh, you know, we, we couldn't get so that, you know, we would have been, we would have been right up there near a hundred percent. And like I say, my brother and I shot bears right up the last week, pretty much of September. Yep. And I mean, we shot, I had another guy that uh, could only come the third week and he got his on a Saturday or Sunday of the third week of the season. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's right in the part of the grouse opener here, which is kind of a, kind of a big deal here yeah yeah so they were they were still out uh running around and and hitting the baits but yeah the weather if you get some cold and wind that can shut them down pretty quick you know yeah yep yeah that's what happened i mean i remember last year was like clockwork I, i i mean i saw it so distinctly on this one bait it was just unbelievable so i had this one bait going i forget what i called it um uh oh it was the, i called it the vulture bait because of the yeah there was the blind that vultures had made a nest in and whatever but anyway so on this bait i mean all season long it was good i had i mean i mean i had it like clockwork there was a 300 pound sow 300 pounds 350 pounds something like that a huge sow and she was there like clockwork every single night and a lot of times during shooting light and and there was other like two other like shooter sized bears on that bait and then two other like smaller bears and 
I mean, they were there every single night. Maybe not all the bears, but most of them were there. And I could have killed a bear on that bait every single night, all the way through August, all the way through September until I think season started on a Wednesday, if I remember right. Um, all the way until the Sunday prior to season. And the weather shifted, and that bait went from just rocking to just dead. I mean, just shut down. I couldn't believe it. It was it was unbelievable, and um, and the only thing that changed was the weather. The weather switched. It got cold. It got rainy. It got windy, and that bait just nothing changed. No, I did nothing different. It just the weather changed, and it just went dead. <laughs> it was so crazy, and I thought, what in the yeah, world? Yeah, that that cold, cold, windy, and rainy weather can really shut them down. I mean, if it's warm mm-hmm. and you get rain, no problems. Right. But I don't know what it is. It's like almost like when you get that uh, gnarly lake effect, uh, easterly winds and northeaster that'll blow in cold and yep. and wind and rain for like two days. I mean, yeah, it can. It really throws them for a loop. That's for sure. They just must hunker down. I mean, I I see it here, but. They yep. usually, you know, they usually pop right back up on the baits and stuff. Yeah, so. yep. I think the issue with with you know last season was it's just prolonged. But you know, talking, yeah, talk. I mean, it was like a, it was like a nationwide thing. I talked to guys in New Hampshire and Maine and and here in Michigan and um, Wisconsin, and it was just everybody had a. If if you didn't have if you didn't hunt that first week of September because that first week was great. It was still warm and everything was good. But then if you were in that second week and that's when your season started, it was just bad news. <laughs> Everybody just had a <laughs> subpar season. If you, if you had, you know, if your season started like the 15th or something. So, but yeah, so, so hopefully this season that doesn't happen. <laughs> we'll see though. You never know. You never know. But. Yeah, we've been pretty fortunate here. The, the the last few years, like the the first few days, have been, you know, pretty really nice, nice sunny, you know, kind of Indian fall days. Not uh, yeah, haven't been cold and and dreary or anything. So hopefully, I mean, everybody likes to. It's it. The guys can sit longer when it's nice and and they're comfortable. You know what I mean? There's yeah. nothing nothing worse than than sitting out there in misery yep. waiting on a bear at a bear bait. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when they're not coming in. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep, for sure. So, yeah, so I don't know. Weather will always be up in the air, but um, the foods are, you know, they're they're looking weak. The I, I guess if I was, you know, giving um, listeners, like, advice for the season, since it's been so dry, and if it stays really dry, um, we'll, we'll see. It's a lot of, there's been a lot of rain this week, so we'll see what it looks like in August and stuff. But if it, if it's relatively dry, um, tell you what, if you hone in on those water sources this year, you know, if you're, if you don't have established bait sites and you're just set up for the first time, find a really good watering source and put a bait nearby that with good cover and you'll be rocking this year. I think if there's, if the natural foods stay weak, it's going to look really good if you got a bait near a water source. Oh yeah, yeah, you're definitely, I, and that's what I told the 
<clears throat> outdoor news today. I said, you're, you know, I don't know what it's like around most of the state. I know like up in the Northwest and uh, by Lake of the Woods and stuff, they, they, they got a lot of rain early, so I don't think they're hurting as bad, but mm-hmm. I think most of the rest of the state has been fairly dry. And from what I hear from chatter, there's not a lot of natural food and there's been a lot of nuisance complaints. So you're definitely going to want to be around water, especially if it, you know, if it's going to be hot too, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. And I always try to, we're always near some sort of water source. I mean, you don't need to be right on top of it. But. Right. Right. Yeah. Don't try to put your bait in the water or anything like that, but yeah. <laughs> you know, within, yeah. within I mean, a reasonable it, walking much, distance, I mean, it can, it can just be a, you know, a, a small Creek or something, you know, right. I mean, you don't want any like, uh, nasty water or anything like that you know but uh yeah yep a beaver pond or i mean i i i love hunting near beaver ponds i mean if that's to me they're just uh they're a magnet for all animals so we run a lot of baits close to or you know near where where there's some beaver ponds so which up here you know most creeks or flowages or whatever have multiple multiple beaver beaver ponds on them so i mean and, and i i trap beavers so i, I pretty much know you, i look at aerials and stuff and i know where they're all at so yep exactly yep yeah and, and if you want to i mean that's if you don't know an area that's the best way to find them is is just look an aerial map so you don't want a big like wide open lake you know if there's a you know if you look on the aerial map and it's a nice blue looking lake that's not where you're looking for you're looking for you know, these tiny little ponds might look a little bit browner, greener color, you know, on the aerial yep. maps. That's what you're looking for. Yep. So. Yep. Nothing real big, nice, small little pond. And that, that'll be, yep. especially if you can, you know, I like this. I, I like the spots where there's like a complex, there's a whole bunch of them. I call them like beaver, beaver pond, like complexes. Those are cool spots to put, yep. up, put a bait on. So. And I like a lot of, uh you know, like green timber too. Like if there's some spruce or cedar around them, because yeah. those places are always usually much cooler. And if you got cedars or black spruce, you're always going to have some sort of water nearby, you know? Yeah. Exactly. And that's usually, we don't have a lot of tamarack up here. We have some, mm-hmm. Yeah. but I, you know, they'll utilize, they'll utilize the tamarack swamps too for, for bedding and stuff like that to cool down. And yeah, because that moss is always moist. I mean, you just walk into those areas, you know, and there's like a 10, 15 degree temperature difference when you, when you walk right into them, you can just feel it. Yep. I'm trying to think of how to describe for a listener, the difference between a spruce and a tamarack tree, I guess Google it in the fall. It's really easy because tamarack trees are, are, are conifers trees that actually shed their needles. And in the fall time, they turn yellow. They're really pretty. Um, but in the summertime, it's kind of hard to tell. Google it. Google it. It'd probably be way better for you to do that. So, um, yeah. I like, for, for around Michigan, I don't know if you guys have hemlock up there, Jimmy, but I know around here. No hemlock here. No hemlock. Okay. It must be like a, because I, I think they have them more in the northeast. We're, like, it's funny up here because on the east side of the UP, we get, like, a lot of beech trees. Um, but on the west mm-hmm. side, there's no beech trees. 
So, and it's kind of like a northeast thing, that beech trees. So, I don't know what the deal is Yeah, there. that's kind of like a Maine, New Hampshire, Connecticut kind of. You always hear them guys talking about beech trees and beech nuts and yeah. hemlocks and stuff. Yep. Yeah, we get we get hemlock over this way, but we don't get any beech where I'm at. So, but, you know, you had, I don't know. I mean, for sure within like 70 miles or so east, if you head straight east that way, you'll start running into beech trees. It's crazy. <laughs> so I don't know why, because the train's not really any different. It's just, I don't know. But thought about trying hey, to grow some. We don't have any, any acorn trees here. I know people have tried to plant oaks and stuff, and it, they, they just they don't just, go. They haven't. I don't know if the soil's too acidic or what, but you, you need to get, you know, a couple hours south of here better before you start to really to run into any sort of... Uh, oak trees or anything like that basically the the nut that we have here is is hazelnut yeah yeah so um what was i saying with that though um oh yeah so so where the spots around here hemlock that i like to um set up on it i like hemlock trees um if you can find like a beaver pond with a lot of hemlock trees nearby them um, that's bears for whatever reason, they just seem to like hemlocks around here. So all my spots that have been good have had hemlock trees nearby them. So not sure if it's coincidence, but that's just what I found. So, yeah, it's almost like we have a lot of Norway stands here that are, mm -hmm. you know, they were planted a long time ago, back in the thirties and forties and stuff. And some of the bigger stands, even, even the smaller stands that are like 20 years old, Mm-hmm. They get all the needles down in the ground, and I don't know what it is, but we've had a lot of luck hunting in those, and they're not real thick, you know. They're like it's almost like a, they plant them in rows, you know. Yeah. Yep. For whatever reason, there's always bears in there, and I could never figure it out if it was just because. I mean, you could lay down on the ground, and it must be comfortable to sleep in. I mean, they're usually a real. You know, they'll start to limb themselves like a white pine, yep. but they're still more um, hairy than a, than a white pine. So it's not like the cubs can scoot up them to get away from danger or anything like they can a white pine. You know, they can yeah. have a white pine yep. 50, 75 feet, you know, and the real big ones. But yep. in a Norway, not really, you know. Mm -hmm. And their limbs, once their limbs start to go they're usually pretty rotten and unstable so yeah, yeah but i don't know they're they're for some reason they're they love them red pine plantations mm -hmm. yeah that's i'm trying to think if i've ever really hunted in a red pine plantation well the thing the thing for like a, a bait hunter is that a lot of times where there's red pines they tend to be open enough and in good terrain for hound hunters to be hunting on so i've always avoided mm -hmm. red pine plantations around here but you you wouldn't have that issue because there's no hound hunters there, but, um, right. Yeah. I, I, I trying to think if there's any place I could even try to do. Yeah. I, I don't for, I think just the terrain that the red pines are on, I, I just, it usually gets a lot of hound pressure. So, but I, I do, sure. but that being said, I do know of one particular area where there is a lot of red pines and there's a lot of bears in there, but it does get a lot of hunting pressure. So sure. It is what it is. Yeah, that's, I could never, I never could figure out, I mean, there's no food in there, and I mean, there, you see a lot of animals in there, I mean, we, mm -hmm. we trap 
a lot of Pine Martin and Fisher and, and those and Bobcats in there over the years too. I mean, there's no food in there or anything. And right. some of them with the understory can be, can get kind of thick under there. So that, that could be a reason, but yeah. I, I don't know, maybe if they have some cavities or something that they can get down into the, you know, the small mammals and stuff, but I could, they almost seem kind of devoid of life to me. But yeah. Not, you know, right. That That's, that's how I've always thing. felt with them too. So, yeah, it's if you look at a black spruce swamp and you can say the same thing, you know, what, why would there any be anything in here? You know, there's true, but there's a lot of, uh, mice and bulls and stuff in there for, you know, little, uh, like pine Martin and stuff like that. But, yeah. Yeah. And bears utilize them because they're cool, but there's, there's really not any, any food value for big game animals in there. Right. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like, um, I don't know, I get that feeling when I walk through, like, a mature, like, maple stand, you know? You, you walk through mm-hmm. there, and it's just, it's like a desert. <laughs> it always cracks me yeah. up. It always cracks me up when I see, um, well, I shouldn't say that, because I actually hunted, deer hunted a maple stand last year, and I shot, I shot a nice doe in there, but, um, they're, uh, but it's more of a transition area. It's not like, a you know, a place they're hanging out all the time, but, yeah, if you, if you hunt through, like, sure. mature, like, timber stand like that like maple or something yeah it's it's pretty much a desert <laughs> so yeah they're usually here you can find um a lot of our maples here and we don't our maples here and they're they're a sugar maple but they're not uh they're kind of they don't grow very big mm-hmm. and they're kind of like twisty and gnarly you know they, they like when you think of maple you think it is nice thick you know like cutting for firewood good maple here ours are kind of like weedy-ish and okay a lot of them are rotten on the inside okay but there there's quite a few stands in them and usually they got some like uh game trails Mm -hmm. around them because there'll be some other sort of uh um tree species that will butt up next to them and they're usually pretty good areas for during the rut for bucks to be yeah be cruising does getting into one area and and then I think they can see too, you know, and, mm-hmm. but yeah, I've, I've seen that a lot. I've seen a lot of, of, uh, you know, scrapes and, and rubs in some of those transitional areas where two different types of habitats, butt up with that maple like that. And I think that that's why them bucks cruise them pretty hard in the, during the rut. Right. Yep. Yep. Cool. But I see all these pictures in Wisconsin, and it's like I see guys putting baits and some of that stuff like that, and then the kind of wide open areas, and it it always blows my mind because it's just to me that that stuff. I've put I've put like test baits out like that. I can think of a couple places offhand where there was a Norway plantation that had some alder swamp around it that butted up to a a pretty good probably 80 to 100 acre patch of uh low hanging maple like that so it was yeah. kind of dark in there but it was real open you know what i mean and I, yeah i put a bait in there just to try it and it took like i it never got hit when we hunted and then when i went in and pulled the sign down and stuff it it was tore apart but i i see like in wisconsin and stuff i see a lot of these guys you know in videos on youtube and stuff hunting and mm-hmm and baiting in those areas, and I mean, I don't know if it's just because Wisconsin has way more bears than us, or 
or what, but it just seems like our bears here really love, I mean, I'm not saying they won't go out into a little open area to hit a bait or anything, but just seems like those bigger open areas like that, they're real sketchy on, on, uh, hanging out in. Yeah. that That's what I've seen too. I, I mean, I'm trying to think of if I've ever, my, there was a one bait that I had and it was kind of the transition between, um, it was, it was like a spruce tamarack swamp and, um, and then some big mature wide open maples. And my bait was kind of in the open a little bit. And I mean, I had pretty good action there, but it's right on that transition. You know, there was some, there was actually some cedar and yeah. stuff in there too. And, um, and, but it was pretty open and that did well, but that, that was kind of a transition. I've never really put a bait in a wide open area like that. Um, I'm trying to think of a, if I've known anybody to be successful doing that. I see them all the time where, you know, I'll be like, I'll be cruising the woods or whatever and I'll see a spot, you know, and I'll know the area where, you know, I know it's just mature maple or whatever, like a open maple stand. And I'll see a bait, a trail going to a bait in there, and I think, huh, <laughs> I wonder how that one did. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah, um, yeah, I don't think I've ever put a bait in like a wide open stand like that before. No, I just, I just don't like wide open areas. I just, I don't think the bears do, and I try to get it pretty thick if I can. Yeah, the thicker the better. Yeah. Yeah, you that's know, in, my opinion. In my opinion, I mean, they like a lot of cover. Yep, for sure. Yeah. And, 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 you know, our bears here are are very sketchy. I mean, yeah. they, I think I've said it before, there's probably not a bear in Minnesota, except in the Boundary Waters, that hasn't, uh, you know, been at a bait site at some point in its life. Right. And if they... Like, we see bears on some bait sites. They've been coming in for years, and, and they know, the, they know the, game, the game, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, to me, thicker the better, good cover. Yeah. They're already sketchy as it is, so, you, you, you know, the better the, better the, the thicker the cover and, and be, to be able to hide the hunter to me is is very important where I hunt. Yeah. Especially yeah. with only two weeks to bait. You know, if I was able to bait from April until, you know, September first, that's 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 a big difference from just being able to get to bait for fourteen days, you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, you know, I would I would I would say um it wouldn't even take that long. It would just take I would at least three weeks, two weeks. Yeah. Two weeks is just a, it, it's a hard, that's, that's a hard sell to get a bear really committed to a bait. Unless, unless it's an established bait site and they've been coming to that same bait for years and years and years, you know, that's a little different, but right. But it only takes one, one thing to go wrong. Yeah. And it could, it could, it could, you know, if you got a, a big shooter bear coming in and I always say you, you have one chance to kill that bear. And if you yep. make a mistake baiting or going into hunt, you're not going to kill him. Yep. Either he's going to go totally nocturnal 
and come in two minutes after you leave, or he's yep. just going to beat feet out of the area and be totally gone and, and not come back, not come back to that bait yeah. at all for the rest of the year, which is normally what I see. They just, they're gone and they don't come back. Yep. Yep. That that's just how those big bears are. I, you know, last year, you know, cause I had quite a few like really big bears on my baits last year. And I mean, with the exception of, I, I, this is mainly pertains to boars, but from what I've seen, those big boars, I think that's how they get so big is I think they're just nomadic. I think these big boars, they kind of have a pattern, like they have a seasonal range, but their range is so big that you'll see them on a bait for a few days and then they're gone forever. And, you know, maybe next year, right. if, if you hunt that spot over and over again, you'll see that bear around the same time every year but they that's how they don't get killed is they're they're they just roam basically they probably right. do have it, like an area it, but you know what i mean and two i mean if you think about it <clears throat> those bears like where you live they know where all the acorn stands are yep so that big bear he knows at that time of the year, hey, I can go over here and get some food and stuff my face with all the best food I could get yep. for two weeks. And then I and, and they know they know when they're being hunted. They're not dumb. No. Bears don't get to be eight, ten, twelve, fifteen, twenty years old by being stupid. Right. In the wild, on, that's that's amazing. I mean, when we get our when the guys get a hold of me and they tell me that, and I've, and I've shot one that was 15 years old. I mean, and it's, it's amazing with, you know, I don't have the hunting pressure as some areas of the States, but mm-hmm. to bear to make it that long and running a gauntlet of bait sites and, and hunters for years and wolves and everything else, you know, yep. it's, it's pretty impressive. And those big ones are, it's, it's, it's a whole nother level when you get it. Like I always say here, when you get a bear that's 200 pounds plus here, he's seen about everything. Mm-hmm. And we don't get like the weights like you guys do in Wisconsin. We just don't have the food or the egg or the, the yep. long growing season winter is long here. Yep. So I always say when you get up in that 200 pound dress range, that's, that's a damn nice bear for here. And anything bigger, three hundred <clears throat> plus, and that's a that's an old boy and and smart and and seen everything. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So, yep. No, I mean even around here, I mean a nice bear. You know, there there's definitely areas where you can go and you know get have probably have better opportunities at really big bears, but. You know, those are those are not the norm. The norm is to right. the vast majority of hunters is to be hunting places like you and I do in Michigan, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and you know you can lump Maine and New Hampshire and places like that into there too. And I mean, I bet you between those five states I just mentioned, that encompasses the vast majority. I, I bet you that's. Between those five states, I bet you that's ninety percent of your fall bear hunters, except for like Pennsylvania. Right. I should say fall bear baiting. Agree. Yeah, bear baiting places. Baiting. You know, and uh, you know, 
if, if you're one of the 90% of bear, fall bear hunters that's hunting there, uh, you know, those bears know what bear baits are. They're highly pressured. And honestly, a 200-pound a bear is a fantastic bear for these areas, you know, those five states. Oh, I mean, you lay a 200-pound bear next to one that's 120 or 150 and there's there's a hell of a difference in, oh yeah in those two bears oh yeah for and there's sure. a there's a big difference and you know big bears you don't kill big bears by dumb luck yeah you yep. to kill a big bear a trophy big bear in minnesota everything's got to go right yeah and guys who are successful at killing big bears every time they get a tag you know, you you got to do everything right from your routine to good bait. If the wind's wrong, you got to sit it out. Yep. Um, and that sucks everything too. Everything <laughs> has got to go right in order to kill a big bear. Yeah. They don't get they don't get killed by dumb luck. I mean, you kill big bucks during the rut, you know, by dumb luck because you know they're looking for girlfriends. Yep. These bears that I don't know anything about hunting bears in the rut, but I know that in the fall, even though you have all that good food there, I can only think of one client where we shot a big bear over 300 pounds dressed where that bear, he told me that bear paced back and forth for hours and (laughs) circled him and circled him. And then finally he said, that that bear couldn't take it anymore. And he thinks it was because there was another bear, possibly bigger in the vicinity that that bear just couldn't take it anymore yep. and had to get into that bait. And <laughs> when that bear came into the bait, literally this guy had minutes to spare to shoot. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. And that, and that's the thing that kills bear. That's one of the things that has to go right is competition at the bear baits for sure. Yep. So, Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, that's something I, I, you and I talked about this last season where, because um, there, there's always a big debate between bear hunters whether to put out as much bait as you possibly can or to put out limited quantities in a certain pattern to get bears to come in, you know, to create competition and stuff. And, um, I don't know. You and I, have, you and I are probably one of the few people that actually has the opportunity to try both methods. And I don't know. After last season, I, I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm not saying that I'm gonna do it all the time because it's a ton of work. But there is something to putting a consistent, limited amount of bait out. Because in Wisconsin last year, where I hunted, you can only put out ten gallons of bait at a time. And so I was doing these bait runs and I was doing, you know, 10 gallons like every other day. And right. I saw more bear daylight bear action because of that than I have in, in any of my past seasons. And part of it is that Wisconsin has a good bear population. But, but it seemed like these bears were much more likely to come out during the daytime. Because if they were there at 3 in the morning, the bait was probably gone. And so... Right. You know, I don't know. That's just something I saw, but and I've I've done it, and I'll do it both ways. Where mm-hmm. if I have, because we run some ATV hunts, yeah. and usually what we do, and they don't produce any bigger bear than some of our baits that we we hunt around people. 
poems. I mean, some of the biggest bears we've shot have literally been, you know, in a 40-acre patch of federal land that butts up to somebody else's 20-acre homestead, you know? Yeah, yep. Um, but on our some of our ATV hunts, they're far back in, or we have to drive like 30 or 40 miles just to unload to get to those baits. Yeah. I will go in and I will dump down a lot of bait once or twice a week just because it's so much work to get there. Yeah, 100%. What I have found over the years of doing that is that you can get more bears on the bait, yes. You don't necessarily, I mean, you get you get some good-sized bears simply because you're a little more remote, but I, like I say, I don't always see that. Yeah, yep. But you will get the problem that I've run into with doing that is you get a lot of the bears know that they can come in and out of that bait site at any time they want. And there's going to be food there. Mm-hmm. So there's no routine. You know what I mean? They yep. don't, they just kind of wander in and out. And I have always found that if I start a bait site, I always usually put, you know, when we first start, I'll put 10 gallons down. Yep. And we'll put uh, half a five-gallon pail of uh, fryer oil down. Yep. And uh, we'll hang a camera and kind of see what's going on. And I might dump 10 gallons down maybe one or two more times. I like to bait every other day. And I've found that 10 gallons is probably the perfect amount to start with, for me anyway. Mm-hmm. And then I'll cut it down that last week. I'll get down to like five gallons. And then once we get closer to hunting, I mean, I might even drop down to two or three. Some guys might say that's crazy, but it's worked for me. Mm-hmm. And those bears, they know if you if you get three or four bears on a bait and you get a bigger one, and especially in a low food year like this, they're not stupid. They're right. like your dogs. If you have multiple dogs, hey, they know they got to get to the dog dish before the other one does. Yeah, I see it with my chickens when I feed them, you know? Yep. And when we go into hunt with the guys, there's no sense in throwing down a five-gallon bucket of bait or, or, you know, even three gallons if you're going into hunt. Usually we've got like a gallon or two when we go into bait. And another thing that I have found over the years is guiding anyway, is when you get a guy in the stand and you come say he's not successful that night and you come back to the bait the next day to hunt it and the bait's not hit i have quit going up to the bait i i just i can see when i walk in all right the bait's not hit i tell the guy get in the tree as quiet as you can i'm out of here yeah i'm not putting any more bait down i'm not spraying anything because i don't need to that bear knew something was up he knows there's food there and he's going to be back, or they're going to be back. Yeah. I'm telling you what, last year it worked like a dream. We shot like four or five bears the first couple of days like that. Nice. And, and everybody every year is like, well, aren't you going to squirt anything? The bait's not hit. Well, for one, I don't care that it's not hit, because if it was hit, now we know we got nocturnal bears, yeah. and we might have a problem. Right. Well, So I'd rather see it not hit, and there's no need for me to go up there because the bear – you know, most of our clients, we're shooting average bear, you know, 150, mm-hmm. 175 pounds, you know, 
we do shoot a few over 300 every year, a couple, and then we get some in the 200 range. But most of the guys that I take, they're looking to harvest a, a nice animal. You know what I mean? Or yeah. They, or they, they want to fill their tag because it's so hard to get tags now. So Right. But I have found that cutting back on the bait for me has worked. Now, if I hunted in an area with high competition where I had, say, you know, another bait 150 yards down the road or something, if it was a really good spot, yeah, I might want to keep food there all, you know, all the time. Or yeah. I might bait every day with 10 gallons or something like that and just keep an eye on it. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Yep. Yep. I, I think that's, that's the, that's the key of it right there. And I think, you know, a lot of the guys that, that really knock it in, and you know as well as I do, there's some very popular people that knock the um, limited bait quantity thing. And, you know, you hear, uh, and, and the the argument I hear is like, like you're trying to be cheap on bait and stuff, or, you know, it's hard to get bait, or it's like, like that you're doing it for like a money-saving reason. And that's not it. Because honestly, you can, if you go and put you know, a whole, you know, five gallons a day or 10 gallons every other day or something, that still equates to a lot of bait, you know. Um, well, I've got 10,000 pounds of bait here on hand right now and three freezers full of breads and pastries. And I just cut a check last week for 3,000 bucks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's, it's not, uh, yeah. it's not, it's not to try to save money. Trust me. Yeah, exactly. It, it, I, for me, that's and it's just what I've seen. I mean, if something, if you're out there hunting or you're guide and you and you're dead set, hey, you know, I got to dump 200 gallons or 200 pounds of bait down, and that's working for you. Yep. Well, God, you know, by no means, don't don't switch it up. You know, yeah, if that works exactly. for you, and you're successful, stay that way. Yep. Um, you know what what works for me where I live might not work for a guy two hours south of me. You know what I mean? It, it's Yep. bears are are very different in, in particular i mean they're 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 like humans i mean they get sick of different stuff and they got quirks you yeah know? oh but they sure do I, for, I tell people all the time you know if something's working for you my god don't change it up exactly exactly so and a know. lot of it too is in your head yeah if, it is it if, is if you think to yourself in, in it, it you know, okay Maybe there isn't anything to it. Maybe there is something to it. But in your mind, that it, it you know, a lot of it is mental. If you think you're successful that way, mm-hmm. stay stay with it, you know. But I've personally seen, and I've been doing it that way for years. And I've, I like to think that I've tried just about, I've used barrels with shaker holes, you know, the big six-inch hole cut in the middle. And, you know, I've baited with, with, uh, 200 pounds of bait down and I've, and I've done the, I've even started with five gallons of bait before and, and kept up like that. Now in a year like this with a, with a low food year, you know, do you, you gotta, you gotta bait a couple times and run your cameras to kind of figure out what's going on. You know, if you got competition around you, yeah. When they clean up your bait site, they're probably going to move down to the, to a guy a mile or two away from you, you know what I mean? Or even yep. closer. Yep. So you'll just have to, you might have to bait with a little more food. If you don't have anybody around you, <clears throat> you know, 
Yep. Bait a few times and watch your cameras and yeah, they're going to clean it up, but you might have more bears on and you might create a little more competition. You got to run cameras to see what's, what's going on, you know? Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. This is all a moot point if you but, don't have but cameras. I, <laughs> right. I mean, and I, and I definitely, my experience, no BS with throwing down a lot of bait. I know there's a lot of guys that are proponents of that to me. And I know it works because eventually if you sit there long enough, you're going to have some action. Yeah. But to, to me, I would rather have, even though I bait every other day, I like to give the bears like one day without any human activity um, to kind of get comfortable, yet that there's still enough human presence there to know that I'm bringing the food. Yeah. Whereas if you're just going in there, you know, once, every, once a Saturday or something, I don't know from what I've seen it, it and it works, but from, and we've killed a lot of bears that way, but it just seems to me that you create a lot of nocturnal bears that way. Yeah. And when I bait with the way that I do it, to be honest with you, Matt, we don't, we have a lot of um, daylight activity. You know, it seems like when we bait, they come in. I mean, I literally, I, every year I can go in and bait for somebody I have one stand where the last three years, and it's literally like 50 yards off a gravel road, we walk in an old trail, and the guy sits on the ground up on a little knoll, looks down at the bait, and for the last three years, three bears have been shot in there, over 150 pounds dressed, within five minutes of me leaving. Yep, yep. <laughs> and and. And that's a bait where you'd think, oh, man, this is an easy one. You know, we could hump a bunch of bait in there and, yep. and be good with it. But just just for me, you know, that that's what works. And they say a bear can't reason and blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, you yeah, I doubt that. You just, like I say, watch it with your dogs. I mean, they you, they know they got to get to the dish to eat. And, yep. and then it, I think, too, it also keeps those bigger bears – close by now if you get a sow with cubs might overtake the bait and then you got to make a decision here right. it's easy for me because they run everything off i just forget the whole deal i just leave you know because you're just feeding bears if you just want to feed them then feed them but right i'm not going to do that right yep yep i know that there are a lot of outfitters that would stick you on a stand like that and, and then they would well you've seen something well we don't do that <laughs> if we have one that gets overtaken by sows with cubs and that will become a problem if you have a low mast here you can really have some sow and cub issues we just we just drop them yep and there is some big aggressive sows <laughs> that have cubs mm -hmm. i've i've had multiple so baits taken over by them big four or five hundred pound boars you know yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. They're, they're tough. I mean, they'll they'll run them off. Yeah. Like, oh, they'll yeah. literally, I've, I've seen them, like, run every bear off, and then you go in and bait, and literally within minutes on the camera, they're in there hitting the bait, and then you just, you got to make the decision to yeah. throw in the towel, or, because you ain't going to get nothing coming in. And I've, no. I've even tried to, <clears throat> like, kind of starve them out or wait them out. They're, they don't, they're right there, man. I don't know what it is if they hear that bucket from 10 miles away, but they're, they're right back on. You know, the only time I think I would keep feeding them, my baits are spread out far enough apart is if I was baiting 
another bait real close by or something like that. Yeah. In order to keep her from maybe going to that other bait, I, I might keep feeding them, but I, I generally, I, I don't have any baits like that. So. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yep. Yeah. You know, with, with the, the baiting every day versus, you know, baiting a lot versus limited quantities or whatever. You know, I'm I'm personally gonna do both because it all depends on my situation. This year, for instance, um, I'm gonna run two bear baits for sure. Pro- I would like to run a third, but for sure two. And one of them is way out in BFE, <laughs> and um, honestly, I can't get to that bait every day or even every other day. And so, it, I'm going to do mass quantity bear you know bait dumps on that bomber bait runs on that one although it's not that it's not that yeah. far but it's far enough to where you know i'm gonna go there probably once maybe twice a week and bait it um but the other one is only 10 minutes from my house and so i'm going right. to at the very least bait that every other day and um you know because that's i don't know that's just what i've seen and, it, and it's a it's honestly an art to do it right because you can't just go and say, well, I'm only going to put two gallons down every day or something like that. You got to feel it out. You got to say, okay, I I think what I've seen is that if there's, if there's enough bait to where the bears can come in and eat until, you know, most of the night, like part of the night where somewhere between midnight and three o'clock, the bait runs out but there's bait all the way from, you know, the time they open up in the evening to midnight, three o'clock. Um, and there's a lot of bears getting fed, but then they run out of bait. That seems to be about the time to where, especially if you're baiting every day and it's like that, um, you can create some pretty good daylight activity by keeping that baited with that much bait. You know, it's kind of a fine line. If if you're running out of bait at 10 o'clock at night, that's not going to work because the bears are going to start wandering off then. But if you're, if there's bait left over into the next day, you know, you might as well be just dumping bait, a whole bunch of bait out because then, right. You know, you're not really creating competition because there's still plenty of bait left. Um, I mean, I, I want bait at that bait site from 10 o'clock in the morning till we're done baiting at four o'clock. Mm-hmm. And that way, I mean, because we shoot a lot of bears between noon, 2, 3, 4 o'clock in the afternoon every year. Yeah, that's right. Um, and then you got your your prototypical, you know, magic hour. Yeah. Like 7.30 to 8 o'clock or whatever, you know, when this kind of the woods becomes alive, everything quiets down. and Yeah. I mean, generally, if you have a big bear here anyway – that's generally when they're going to show up anyways. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. They're going to, they're going to check things out. And, and, an, and another thing that I have noticed on the cameras over the years by running and I, you know, I'm running literally 40 plus trail cameras a year. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my baits I've had for a very long time. And what I have seen in my baiting routine is I always usually try to start baiting at 10 o'clock in the morning and I try to get done by five at the latest, like if I'm running behind. Yeah, yeah. And totally agree there. It allows me to run a lot of baits 
alone, and then I can keep, I'm the only one baiting. I don't have John and Joe going to bait. John can't make it, so Joe's got to go run John's bait. You know, I have everything under control in a strict routine. Yep. And what I have noticed on my cameras is I if I say that I dumped a bait down at noon, usually about 2.30, 3 o'clock, there's activity on that bait till about 4.30. And then there'll be some, you know, 6 o'clock and then that magic hour. And then it always seems like right around between 9 and 10. And then you know, you'll get a bear and usually it's the same bears wandering in there all night long. You know what I mean? Just kind of yep. sniffing around, checking things out. And they're, they're there to keep the other bears in check. You know what I mean? And I've seen it on the cameras too, where you, if you watch a bear and you can see his reaction, if he's sitting there looking around or even when you're hunting, just watch how one reacts to a bait. If they like hold up back in the brush and they're looking around or they, I mean, I've seen them over the years where they take like 20 minutes to get to a bait pile. Like they're walking on tippy toes and some bigger bears. Oh yeah. And then they get to the bait. I've watched them where they tried their damnedest not to make any noise opening yep. a bait. Yep. And then if a log makes a noise, they bolt right out of there, you know? <laughs> yep. Yep. And I've had, I've had clients tell me, man, they've, they've heard, and I've, I've had it happen to me a couple of times where they've heard some gnarly bear fights going on behind the bait, you know? Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. You know, the second night of my hunt last year, I was sitting in the stand and, um, it was on the vulture bait and these two, um, yearlings came and they were siblings and, um, they came in the bait and I was, and before they, um, came in, I just saw like black, you know, coming in. And so I took my, my rifle off safety and I was sitting there, and when they came in, I knew they weren't bears that was going to shoot. So, you know, after they were sitting there eating, so I, I clicked my safety back on. And I, I didn't do it gently enough, and there was just a, I mean, it was like a click. You know, it wasn't that loud. You probably wouldn't hear it if you were in the walking in the woods. But these bears heard that metallic click, and these, they, I've never seen something go up a tree so fast. <laughs> the one, I think it was the male, I'm guessing. Because there's a there's a, a boar and a sow, and the boar, I mean, it basically jumped from the ground to like 15 feet up this oak tree, <laughs> and then the other, and then the sow was like in the brush. I mean, within as quick as you can say, jump, they were up there. It was crazy. So, but I mean, people, that's a, that's, I tell people all the time, man. You you have to be quiet in a bear stand. You cannot be moving around and making noise because. Yep. The, the stuff about that their hearing isn't good and they can't see. That's a lie. I don't buy it for at all. From, no. For, just from what I've seen and what I've had people tell me, and I've shot a lot of bears myself, yep. they, they hear everything and they see everything. Yep. And, I mean, I, was, I'm, I'm not, I wasn't on top of the bait either. I was probably, uh, I think that bait's like, that blind's like 50 yards away from the bait. And it's in, a, in an enclosed, like, wooden box blind, elevated box blind. And, I mean, I mean, you can do it. Any, any, it was, a, it's sort of the safety that's on, like, a, well, it's on a Remington, or a, not Remington, Ruger M77. And so it's one of those safeties that's on the bolt. And so, I mean, you can do it mm -hmm. yourself. You can just go click. 
it's not that loud at all. I mean, normally I wouldn't hear it usually, but those bears heard it, and I mean, it was they they it's crazy. I can't believe they heard it, you know. And then their reaction to it too it wasn't like, oh, what was that? It was like jump, run, get as far away as I can. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, you get that. There's that that time there. It's like the killing hour, man, between yep. seven and eight fifteen, where it just gets eerily quiet. Yep. And you can hear everything, and if you can hear it, just think of what they can hear. Right. Know? Right. And I tell guys that all the time, man. It's like, hey, you literally from six o'clock to eight o'clock, you better have you be totally in tune because that's prime time. Yep. Like yep. you better be, you better be on guard because that's when the big boys are going to sneak in and that, you know, that's when a lot of the activity is going to happen. Yep. Exactly. And you got to be quiet. You can't be banging around. It's like, I've been talking with a client now that's going to be um, coming and he's asking me different questions and stuff, and and uh, he's talking about bringing a, a pack with them. And, and I always tell these guys, you know, hydrate before the hunt. I mean, I understand you got to bring a little snack with you and a water, but you don't need to bring a backpack No, like you're going for an all-day sit during the rut for deer. No. Because exactly. all that backpack is is a distraction for you. Yep. And you oh, got to got to get this, you know, and you start moving and unzippering and yeah. And movement in the tree. I mean, that saved a lot of bears hides over the years. I'm telling you because <laughs> they hold up behind those baits before they come in. I'm not even talking about circling you. I'm just talking right when they're making their way in stages to the baits from you know, whether they're coming from a watering hole or bedding. Yep. And they're listening, and they're listening for other bears. They they know they always know that something's up. That there's a hunter there. Yeah, exactly. And they're just trying in their mind, trying to figure out is this a threat or mm-hmm. or what? You know what I mean? So, yeah, guys moving and standing up. I mean, you can get away with that hunting whitetails if they're coming out forty five minutes before dark in a in an egg field or something, but man, when you're sitting in a bear stand, I, I can't stress to my hunters or anybody enough, man, you got to be sitting like a statue and not moving. You better have your gun in your lap yep. and, your, and your bow at easy grasp, and you better be ready because of, in all the times of the bears that I've shot, I can only think of a couple times where I, like, heard them coming, you know what I mean? Like, okay, that's a bear. Yep. Yep. And one other time I could see one coming through the pines to the bait. Yep. Yeah. I, usually it's been like you just, you're, you're looking and you turn away for a second or a squirrel catches your eye and then you look at the bait and the son of a bitch is standing there looking at you. Exactly. Like, yep. did he just, did he just appear there or what, what just happened? You know? Yep. I, I never count on hearing a bear come in. I never count on that. I no. always always just plan on seeing i'm looking with my eyes i'm just constantly my eyes are constantly roving and then and then when i'm sitting in the stand this is um sometimes i i I don't i sometimes i think it's just 
it's in my second nature, so I don't, I'm, but I'm not sure it's ever, in everybody else's, I guess. But so what I do is I get my rifle, and I always, as soon as I get in the stand, actually, honestly, before, as soon as I, I get enter the woods, I rack around in my chamber and I put on safety. And whether you're uncomfortable doing that in the stand, you know, that's your call, but that's what I do. And, um, you know, and so I rack around before I even get in the woods. So there's no metallic, you know, Absolutely. rack of a shell, you know, I mean, you know, gun, as long as you're gun safe and everything, that's not a big deal. So I go into the stand, I try to make, you know, if it's a ladder stand or something, I try to be as quiet as possible, minimal, metallic clinking and everything yeah. as I can. And I get in the stand I get settled in as quietly as I can, and then I put my rifle to where it's resting. I have a like a uh, my main ladder stand. I've got like a rifle rest, um, like in front of it, you know. And I have it sitting on there. Mm -hmm. I have my rifle stock sitting in my lap, so that way all I have to do when a bear comes in is, and my hand's usually on my hand grip. So all I got to do is raise my rifle up and point and shoot. There's minimal movement. And there's no like. You don't have any of those like rifle hanging fancy things where I got to pull the rifle off the tree and swing it around and all that. Yep. It's just I basically have to raise the stock to my shoulder, click the safety off as gently as I can, and shoot. Yep. And so if you don't if you if you don't see it there the first night of a sit, the way you get down and out of that stand and out of the bait area back to your vehicle is just as important as, if not more important, than when you go in for your afternoon hunt. I'd say it's because, more important. trust more important. me, those bears are right there. They are. And yep. if you're making, if you're climbing down and your rifle is butt and barrel are kicking off a ladder going down like you're climbing over a <laughs> fence trying to, climb into a sniper hide or something yep. you're yep. letting the whole neighborhood know oh yeah that you're there and you you can make a bait go dead that way oh yeah i always tell the guys man in the evening just take your time yep you know if you've got a pack or whatever we always put a rope with a clip so there's no tying of any knots yep just click that thing into your backpack lower it down put your gun you know, sling it across your chest and just take your time. And we always tape the, you know, everybody wants to hunt out of a ladder stand. And I, I, I hate ladder stands. They're noisy. They are. No matter what, what you do to them, they're going to creak. And I've tried putting uh, insulation in them and all sorts <laughs> of stuff. And we try to electrical tape up all the, where we think they can make noise, where the pins go in. And I put, uh, you know, like plastic washers and, and everything. <laughs> and it's, it's just kind of to no avail. Yeah. You're going to make a little noise, but I mean, like I said, if you're, if you're letting the whole woods know you get, you're getting down out of the tree stand at eight fifteen, you know, that, that you're just screwing it up for yourself. You, the way you get out of there at night is I think is more important how you get in there during the day. And yeah, I am a proponent of the gun. Get As soon as we get out of the truck and you get all your gear together, 
Yep. You know, one you put around in the pipe. Yeah. Because we've shot bears walking into baits before. Oh yeah. Oh for sure. For and sure. So and there's just like you said, you don't want to be, you know, jacking around in and then banging your clip in there or, you know, <laughs> jamming a slug round in. I mean that Yeah. That's just ridiculous. Yep. I guarantee you, that's, if you that's sat totally ridiculous. If you sat in, and I and I say that because I know there's people that do that though too. I know, you know, I'm I'm sure there's people listening to this podcast that you know don't feel comfortable walking through the woods with a you know condition one rifle. And I mean, just practice gun safety. They're not magical things. They're they're gonna go off. They're not gonna go off by mistake. You know, you gotta you have to take it off safety and pull the trigger for right. it to go off. You know, well, I mean, and it, it's funny too because they might not want to walk in the woods to the stand during daylight fully loaded. Yep. But they sure as hell want to have one in the chamber when they get down out of the stand <laughs> and they're walking out at night. <laughs> That's a you good point. I mean? That's a good point. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> or, or I, you know, every year I get guys that they're, oh, do I need to pack my 45 or, you know, <laughs> this or that? And I'm like, Dude, I I've, I've been baiting for twenty some years. I don't even carry a pistol with me. So right, exactly. No, you're you're fine. You yeah, know? exactly. But I mean, I understand. You know, more mo- clients. You know, they they just not around it every year. You know what I mean? So yeah. I mean, I can understand their side of it too. Yeah. Like people get nervous, but oh yeah, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be unloading your gun at night in the stand. Or, no. You, know, you want to no. make sure you got one in the chamber. No. Going in and and coming out, you know. Yeah, exactly. The, as soon as you get out of the vehicle, load the gun, rack the round. Yep. And then don't un, don't unload the gun until you get to back to the vehicle. That's that's how I do it. So, but you know, I, yeah, and, and, and here's I mean, why if, I say if, this. If, it, well, here's why I say this is because I guarantee you that if you're sitting in the way, if you were to go into the woods and you sit in tree stand and you're, you know, I mean, even with your, with a human ear, I bet you if you're a couple hundred yards away, maybe closer, I don't, I don't know for sure. It depends on the wind and stuff, but I guarantee you, you could hear if somebody was to rack around, you'd be shocked at how far away you were when you could hear that and still hear that, the racking of that bullet, you know? So, and you got to think oh, a lot. I mean, I've had guys. Go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I've, I've had guys where like we were baiting on a logging road. Yeah. And one guy might be on this side of the road and I might have like a different terrain feature. Yeah. Three quarters of a mile down the road. And I've heard the first guy say, I could hear you pounding on the bucket down there when you drop that guy off. Oh yeah. Yeah. So if you can hear that, you, you I mean, you can hear racking around in the chamber. Yep. No doubt about it. Yeah, for sure. I know for for a fact there's And that one... stuff is all unnatural. Very unnatural. What you if you've been baiting or the guide has been doing that like when I go into when I go into bait, I just I just jam in there, I walk in there, and really the only noise I make is if I pound on the bucket, and that's, I, I basically do that just to make sure I get everything out of there, and then you throw your logs on, or your rocks, or yep. or whatever, you know, you want to make a little noise so they know that you're there, but they know you're there anyways, because they can damn sure smell you. Oh yeah, you know? yeah, for sure, 
for sure. But that that's all natural to him. You know what I mean? Yep. Getting up and start clanging on the tree stand yep. sounds like a, you know closing a metal gate in your backyard. And yep. And trust me, I I've had guys, and I did this last year. I had a guy that that wasn't seeing anything, and and he wound up getting one his last night. But after the third night, I was just kind of like, I just can't, I couldn't believe why this guy wasn't seeing anything. And I've done this to people before. So I snuck in about 75 yards from where the stand location was. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just listened. And when he, I, and he's hunted with me before and killed. And, and I mean, when he was getting down out of the, I could hear him getting down out of the tree stand and it was almost like I was standing there with him. Oh, and man. when he, there's like a, we walk in an old road that's overgrown and then you go through an old gravel pit that's overgrown. And then there's just a little goat path going back into where this, this bait is. It's really super thick. Yeah. And so I'm standing out off to the, off to the side of the trail in the old gravel pit. He dang near walks, by me and I'm like hey I said you know I I go well what'd you see and he's like oh how long you been standing here and you know and I'm like well not that long he's like oh I I, I didn't see nothing and I'm like well you want to know why and he's like well why I said you were so noisy getting down out of I said I could hear you zipping up your pack and everything man I'm like you you gotta be quiet I mean yeah. Every move you make has consequences. Yeah. And it's just like, we're not coming back here tomorrow because now I know <laughs> for the past few days what has been going on. Yeah. Well, then I came to find out he was getting down to go take a leak and oh, you know, no. go take a dump and oh, all no. this stuff. And it's just like, oh, my God, man. Yeah. You're only sitting from 3 o'clock to dark because you don't want to sit along. You can't sit for four or five hours. Yeah, yeah. Not trying to rag on my clients or anything, but I mean, I see that stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. All the time, and I mean, you're better off. Like me, I've shot enough bears to where you know I got a tag last year, and I'm like, you know, I'd I'd like to get one. You know. Yep. So I know that. Hey, I don't want to put a lot of time in the tree. Three, four hours sit for me. I'm I'm good with that. Yep. But trust me, man, I had to put in my time. I sat five days in a row before I finally got the bear that I got. Yep, I remember. And I I got in there, and I, I don't bring anything with me mm-hmm. but my phone. That's it, to keep me a little occupied, which I hate when clients do that. But Yeah, yep. And all, I just get in the tree, and I just sit there. And I, I you know, I listen, and you got, I don't bring anything with me to distract me really other than my phone. And that's just, you know, so I can check the weather. My wife had cancer. So I, I had to have a phone with me in case, of course, you know, anything went wrong and I have two little kids. So I, I needed to be within, you know, I had to have a phone on me, but of course. Yep. For I, sure. Yeah. I mean, and I get in there and when I get down at night, I mean, I would take my sweet ass time getting down out of that tree, you yep. know, Yep. And like I say, I I played tag with that bear for five days before I finally got him. Yep. Yep. Oh, yeah, I've done the same thing where, you know, I, I screwed up and a bear found out about me. And then they, 
I mean, they came in two minutes after I left every night, you know, and it wasn't until a mm-hmm. new bear showed up that I was able to fill my tag one year, you know, just because yep. they, they knew I was there. I don't know what I did. Honestly, I don't know what mistake I made, but I made a mistake and then they figured me out and then they never came in during the day again, you know? Mm-hmm. And so they just know, and, and here, here's the, you know, here's the remedy for a lot of this, right? Is preseason planning. Like last year, on the stand that I killed my bear, that was not the first night I sat that stand. That was the second night. But we had a plan going into that hunt that, hey, like before season even started, we went, okay, this is the stand I'm hunting. How am I entering and how am I exiting? Because the last thing you want to do is go anywhere near that bait when you're you're leaving. You do not want to be anywhere near that bait. You want to go figure out a way to get out of there without going near the bait and disturbing the bears figure out try to figure out where the bears are coming from where their bedding is and get away from there without going through that and that's what we did last year and i the first night i set that that stand i didn't see anything um it was because of the weather but i had a plan and i left there very very quietly and you know made made the path that i because what we did is we went we cleared a path cut out any brush it was, it was private land, but we cut out any, like, brush that would cause me to make noise. And we even put, like, um, we even flagged it so I, I wouldn't even have to have a flashlight on. I just had the, right. you know, I just followed the flags out. And, because um, it wasn't a path I walked much, so it wasn't, like, beaten down or anything. And um, it worked out great, because two nights later, I killed a bear on that stand. Nice, mature bear, you know. So, um, you know, and... And, you know, I've, I've been bear hunting enough to where I know, okay, you know, if I get hungry, put things in, you know, don't put it in a, a noisy plastic wrapper, you know, have it to where you can have yes. a snack and it's really quiet or, you know, whatever. Don't be, don't be doing things that make a lot of noise is the key. So, yep. you know. If, and if you got like a pop or water, yep. open it, crack the cap put it back in your backpack or whatever. So when you're in the stand, it's you're not cracking the cap from the locking part of it. Or, exactly. You know, don't be bringing pop cans in. And no. Stuff. Another no. thing is, I mean, I pee out of the stand, but that's me. Yep. I don't, I always tell the guys, hey, if you need a, a piss jug, yep. let me know. Don't be getting down out of the stand and, you no. know, hang it up in a, we usually have plenty of branches limbed out to where you can hang a, you know, a quart milk jug or something like that, you know, or if you got your own, you know, pissing it and yeah, put it in your backpack or whatever, because that is, that is a no, no. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Yep. And on the drink thing, um, I bring an Nalgene bottle. I get an Nalgene bottle if I put water in there or whatever. That's just what I use. So something that doesn't mm-hmm. make noise because I unscrew that thing and it makes zero noise. So, yep. Yeah, noise, noise, and movement, man. They've they've saved a lot of bear hides over the years. Trust they, me. I mean, they. Yep. Like I say, if we were able to bait longer, 
you know, they because I, I don't know because I've never baited for like they do in Wisconsin or whatever. So I'm just yeah. kind of going off of my assumptions and what other people have told me that, you know, you can, you can get a, away with a little more human activity or noise or whatever. But I mean, even some of the bigger ones that we shot around people, you know, it, you know, they, that bear could be at three o'clock, he could be right in the bird feeder on the deck. Yep. Exactly. And at uh, 6.45, I mean, he's the, he's the most uh, sketched out bear in the woods coming into that bear bait, you know, uh, <laughs> literally a quarter mile away. You know what I mean? And exactly. just as stealthy as ever, because he knows it ain't natural, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Oh, yeah. They're not dumb. They're not dumb. That's the thing. No, I, I would say they're probably the wisest animal in the woods. Yep, I agree. I, I think agree uh, coyotes and, and bears are very smart animals, and they're, they're survivors, man. I mean, you yep. know, it wasn't that long ago that bears were considered nuisance animals in Minnesota, and there was no season. Right, right. And back when my, in the 60s, you could shoot a bear with a deer license. Yeah. Well, no, they weren't a sporting animal. Right. It was the same in Michigan for a while, so too. For a long time, actually. I mean, they're, they're survivors, man. Them, those bears, they're, they're smart. Yeah. I believe the young it, ones, go ahead. you know, yeah, they're dumb because they don't know any better. And, and that's why a lot of, uh, you know, the, the, the average size is a little bit smaller. Plus, you know, you got to wait so long to get a tag, you know, guys want to fill their tag. So, you know, but after a, a couple seasons, you know, they, they wise up. They sure do. They sure do. Yep. The only animal I don't know about if it would be smarter or not is a wolf. I've never hunted a wolf, but. We, we've hunted them there when we had the season. Yep. They're just naturally, you know, they're bold. And I trapped wolves for the state. They're very easy to trap the first time. Okay. After that, then they can, they can get wised up. You okay. Know? They'll get a little, they just won't be as bold and they'll associate humans with danger. Yeah. Um, yeah. In fact, I was talking to a guy today when we baited for wolves when we had this. The, the season a couple years there, um, you know, I had it dialed in pretty good and we just couldn't get anybody. They couldn't hit anything, you know, but we yeah. had, they were coming into, you know, we had big bait piles, uh, roadkill deer and frozen beaver carcasses and stuff. And they, they, they know that that stuff is not natural, but a, a wolf is, is very bold. Mm-hmm. And because they know that they're an apex predator and, big and strong but like i say i've done a lot of wolf depredation trapping and they're they're very easy to catch the first time if one if you have like a trap snap on it and you don't catch it or rock got under your trap pan or you know you catch a couple young ones and the 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 mom or the alpha male is left you Mm -hmm. know there there can be some work involved catching them I see. But man, if you pinch one or you have a trap fire off on one, they are very hard to catch. I see. Very hard. Yeah. Yep. But you got to think with a bear, though they they basically all have that experience. <laughs> yeah. 
So, yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind that uh, <clears throat> that most bears have, have stumbled across uh, bait sites. And I think a lot of the collaring that they have done in like around Ely and areas like that, where they've done a lot of bear research that like almost all those bears either spend some time around bait sites or they, they feed at bait sites. Yeah. 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 I'd have to, I'd have to look and see what the UP predator prey study around here found, but I, I would bet that's the case. So they also found some crazy movement patterns with bears too. So I know I've talked about this before, but like the bears around here, like they, they, uh, then this one bear go, uh, well, he, he, the, the study area was north of like Amasaw, Michigan. And within a month period, he cut, all, he cut all the way over to Grand Marais, Michigan, which is like, he shot down towards like Escanaba, Michigan, then went all the way over to Grand Marais, Newberry area, which is like 150 hmm. miles. And then shot back on a different path went through downtown Marquette, up into the Huron Mountains, and then back down to the Amasaw area. It was all within, like, a month period, but it, it was a round trip of, like, 300 miles for no reason. Was it during the breeding season? Or? No, it was during September, October. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I'll send you that picture. It's crazy. And he nobody... must, have, must have known that there was food sources or something in those areas. Yeah, but he didn't. The funny thing was, he didn't stop in any particular area for a long period of time. He spent huh. some. He spent some time in the Huron Mountains, which there is oaks up there, but he spent a, sure. li- a few days up there, but not long enough to justify the round trip. <laughs> so. Wow, that's that's crazy. I a buddy of mine is from Wisconsin originally, and real sharp guy, big deer hunter. I mean, mm-hmm. like really into deer hunting. I yeah. mean, that's, that's his thing. And, um, he used to ca- have a cabin in, in Northern Wisconsin, kind of by where, uh, Bayfield were. Okay. Yeah. Like Foss is from. Yeah. Yep. And, um, he was telling me that, um, he had a DNR biologist or somebody drive into his cabin one day and, and, uh, they were doing the telemetry study on, on bears. And so they got to talking and, the this researcher told them that uh, this was in the spring, mm-hmm. and he said that there was a, they were kind of doing a study with between bears and um, does and fawns in the spring. Mm-hmm. And this researcher told him that there was a bear in the area that every year this same doe for like the last three years would give birth to a fawn in the exact same area, and this bear killed the saint, killed the fawn every year. Oh wow! In the same area that that bear knew where to be there. Oh, that's wild. I I don't know how heavy the the bear here feed on uh, deer fawns, yeah. but I know on the moose calves they're held here. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yep. Like, I think it was, um, I know it was higher. There's two studies going on. There's one being done by the Grand Portage Reservation, 
and then there's the Minnesota DNR one. Okay. But I want to say like it's ridiculously high. Yeah. It's over sixty some percent of the moose calves here are killed between bears and wolves. Jeez. That's just in depredation and, and killed. Yeah. Not yeah. natural causes or anything like that, you know. Right. Yeah, ticks or anything like that too. Right. Yeah. So, I mean it Tough yeah. life living out there in the woods being a wild <laughs> animal, man. Yeah, no kidding. No <laughs> kidding. So yep. Well cool. Um I gotta get to a couple of my questions here. Uh, what are you using for bait yeah. this year? So, what I got this year is I got um, twenty five hundred pounds of trail mix. Okay. Yep. I got two thousand pounds of um, pop tarts. They're uh, it's cherry, cinnamon, and raspberry, kind of a mix. Yep. And then I bought a. Uh, 800 pounds of, I'm looking at them now in my shop, they're like a cream-filled maple nut peanut butter cookie. I usually try to get them Ooh. every year. Those work really good. Ooh, yeah, I bet. And then I have, um, I've got a lot of bait left over from uh, last year. Like, if I see something I really like, I'll tend to overbuy. Mm-hmm. I have... Um, I, I have a lot of, I probably have eight to 10 barrels of um, a mix of candy trail mix, which has uh, less less nuts and more like, you know. More candy uh, and stuff, like M&M's and stuff. Candy coated pretzels and, you know, M&M's, malt ball, yep. stuff like that. Yep. I had that last year. The bears loved like it. The whole variety of nuts. Yep. Works pretty good. Yep. And then I have... Um, I have four barrels of a Fruity Pebble granola. Okay. Yep. I know you love and that. And I have, uh, they love that, and uh, it's real hard to find. Mm. I have um, a 55-gallon drum of peanut butter, a 55-gallon drum of raspberry filling, um, and then I have two barrels of, I bought a bunch of bait from uh, Bob's Bear Bait a couple of years ago, and I I bought his. He had like his own dry bear bait mix that had like some trail mix and. Yep. Yep. He calls it bear mix. Yeah, it was good stuff. I I liked it. Yep. I bought a couple pallets of it actually, and I I still have a few barrels left over. And then I have um, I have three chest freezers, twenty four cubic footers, filled with breads and pastries. Um, I got a couple of buddy of mine that's a guide gave me two 55 gallon drums of sesame seed oil. Okay. And I don't think it's been used because it still has a seal on it and the barrels are really clean. So I'm kind of interested to see how that works. If he's got a source for that. He likes to use that. Yeah. And then I got hmm. regular fryer oil and, um, I'll pop up some popcorn. As far as candies go, I have um, two 55-gallon drums of candy corn and then, uh, like, the the pumpkins, the orange pumpkins. Yep. And then I have some, uh, oh, they're like the soft candy bears. I can't think of 
what you would call them. They were they they've kind of been around the last couple of years, and there must have been a huge run on them because it seems like every bear bait dealer has them. They work okay. <laughs> the bears seem to get really sick of them, so I just wanna I want to use them up because I don't think I would ever get them again. Yeah. Yep. And then I have uh, I got a fifty-five gallon drum of uh, mini Snickers and mixed Ooh. with uh, candy hearts, and I really like. I really like candy corn mm-hmm. and uh, candy hearts, and if you can't find that, uh, whole corn will work, and I really like to use that kind of stuff when we're hunting, because when a bear gets in and, and starts eating that stuff, it's really loud, and you can hear them crunching on that stuff, and if you were to make a bad move with your gun or whatever, and you made a noise, it might buy you some time because the bear most likely might not hear that. You know what I mean? Cause yeah. like it's just think of when you bite down into something really crunchy like that, how it can mess with your hearing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's hard to have a conversation so with somebody I, when you're chewing on something loud. Right. Yeah. You can't hear them. And yeah, yep. that has the same effect on a bear. Like I say, whole corn will, will work. And that, that, those kind of stuff I'll kind of usually hold off on until we until we start hunting. Um, that, that's kind of the, you know, I don't really deviate too much, you know, like uh, you just kind of got to try to match the hatch, you know, like if yep. you have a lot of nuts or berries or whatever, well, you better be buying that stuff, you know, and bears are, they're about 90% vegetarian, so. Yep, yep. You know, you want to make sure you you've got some sort of fruit filling or anything like that, you know? Yep. For sure. For sure. Yep. You know, I saw it again last year. I I know I say this all the time that, you know, trail mix and nuts is the best, but I mean, last year I saw it where the bears literally were, I mean, so I got this stuff. It was called nuts and berries. This is actually from Bob's bear bait too. And because uh, it was a chocolate-free one, and it was like dried-up craisins and and dried blueberries, and then like pecans and peanuts and stuff, and then I think they had like some sort of like, you know, powdered sugar or something on top of it, something like that. Sure. Right? And um, it was you know after especially after that cold front, those bears were literally they would um, I'd put that out. Bears would literally leave all the cranberries, all the blueberries, and all that. And they were only eating the nuts, you know. And that's just—I mean, I see that every single year where I'll put like trail mix underneath like granola and stuff. They'll dig out the granola; it'll still be sitting there, and they'll eat the the nuts, you know. And so there, there's never a year anymore that I I would ever think about not having nuts as a bear bait if I have a fall hunt. Oh yeah, you know? I mean it. It, it's it's by far the the best the best bait ever. I I have a video, uh, trail camera video last year of a bear at a bait up close, has his claws totally extended and he's raking through the bear bait pile. He's eating the popcorn, and I think he's going for. I had some really big cashews. Okay. In this mix that I had last year it, it kind of looks like that's what he's uh going for on the camera I'll have to uh I think it's on our our business Facebook page if you scroll on there I'll try to send it to you but it's okay it's crazy I have two two footages of him 
and he's just meticulously going through this bait that's scattered on the ground, going for what he's want through. And I, I like to mix up, you know, I'll usually put like cookies, black oil, sunflower seeds. You know, I'll probably put a scoop of pop tarts in, yeah. um, a scoop of that Bob's bear bait mix in. And, uh, I usually take like, a all oh, like, a um, a bricklayer's trowel and I'll cut the tip of it off. Mm-hmm. And then I'll usually throw a, a scoop of either raspberry filling or peanut butter on top of that. Yeah. And so I always have, you know, I might even sprinkle in a, a little bit of trail mix, not too much. Cause usually that last week, that's when I really like to hit them with the trail mix. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of a hold off, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. But I've never, that's just me. I've never seen them get burnt out of that stuff. No, I never I've, have I've either. Never seen them get burnt out of that. No. They always need it. No. Yep. For sure. I mean, the only time I've ever, I, you know, the, if the weather shuts down the bait, that's one thing. But when they come back to the bait, they're, it's always for the trail yeah. mix. They're not eating anything else a lot of and times. It, it takes the weather good, too, you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, yeah. Whereas yeah. I, the Pop-Tarts and, uh, and the cookies and stuff generally doesn't take the weather. It'll, no. You know, they'll eat it if they're hungry. I'm going to assume this year they'll, it's probably not going to be a problem, but I've seen it where it. It turns the sludge and stuff in the in the pit or whatever, but generally I, I don't scoop it out of there or anything. I just keep baiting right over the top of it. And eventually yeah. they get to where they, you know, that, that competitiveness kicks in and, and they'll eat it, you know. Yep, exactly, exactly. But, they, you know, I, the bread, I got a really good source for bread now. So, nice. you know, breads always work really good too, but it's just not something that you want to uh, – strictly bait with and it's i always try to uh either i mean you could compact a lot of it into buckets and it's light yeah i always try to put like that raspberry like i might put a loaf in put a little bit of raspberry uh filling on top of that and then put a another loaf in there compact it in and then and then put my bait in there yep yeah one year i was being really cheap and i did that with molasses i'd put well i'd used um I would get, there is, I would do like a bucket of good bait and then a bucket of um, bread, but I would pour some Beta 907 Sweet Surrender on it and then some molasses on top of that, and that should work pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it just gives you more options. I mean, if you you have stuff like that, you know, mix mix it in with your your good stuff and, you know. It's it's just more bait to to have at the site if they're really cleaning it up. But yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, I know there's a lot of guys <clears throat> out there that that use a lot of bread and pastries and yeah and do well with it. It's hard hard to argue. But yeah, I I try to look for stuff that uh, has definitely has you can't go wrong with anything with nuts or and you know peanut butter is is uh really good i i like i know a lot of guys are hard on popcorn too they don't like it man but i've been popping popcorn for many years and and using popcorn and i and it doesn't take the rain very good but man they sure do love popcorn i i don't know what it is but i've watched them and, and seen it on camera where they just they love to 
sit down and they'll eat every little popcorn piece uh, one at a time. It's light too. I mean, it's another good one. If you got a long walk in and you want to carry a five gallon bucket of trail mix, I mean, you could, you could pop yourself a burlap sack or, you know, a, a feed bag full of popcorn and it's, what does it weigh? It's nothing. No ounces? Yeah, exactly. Nothing. You know nothing. What I mean? Yep. And exactly. But it takes I them all like to eat it. And I, yeah. I I I've sprinkled stuff on it and all that, but I, I don't do any of that anymore. I just use it straight. Okay. Okay. Yes, yeah, I was gonna ask you. So interesting. Yeah, I still love that. it. Sprinkling, sprinkling Kool Aid and, and like jello powder and yeah. Other companies powder. I mean, if I if I have that stuff around, you know, I'll I'll do that to use it. But I it, I to me, I don't think it makes a difference. Gotcha. Yep. yep. I don't think that's going to draw in any more any more bears to than what you're what you're already using there. But I mean, yeah. definitely, the good bait makes a huge difference. I mean, there's oh for sure. You know, I mean, I, that, I, uh, I mean, I used, I, I whipped up some of your, your homemade granola recipe last year and yeah, yeah, I had, I had baits where they really liked it. And then some that were, you know, they, they, I think it kind of wore off on them a little bit, but mm-hmm. they, you know, and then you, it might sit there for a few days and then it'd be cleaned up. And I think, I think it was the molasses that I was using in there. Okay. Cause it was the. I've always heard there's a big difference between the food grade molasses that people consume and the stuff that you get at like the the feed mill. And I've always heard that the feed mill molasses is a little more bitter. It is. And I yeah. think I might have got a little too heavy on my mix with the molasses. Okay. Okay. Yeah, cuz I remember us talking about that because you know, and it was funny because <laughs> Oh, this is this is funny. So for the listeners, um last year I made you know, I've talked about it forever, but I, I make my own homemade granola. And what I do, I made a whole YouTube video on it, but um, so check, just type in homemade bear granola and Google search and you'll find it. But, um, you know, it's a cheap way to make bear bait and, you know, it. I've always had great success with it. But it's funny because as soon as I made it last year, there was one bait in Wisconsin where the bears literally wouldn't touch it. I don't know why, but they wouldn't touch it on that one bait. The other bait, they ate every last oat. But the other, the, the one bait, they just wouldn't touch it. I was like, what is going on here? I, I don't know why. Did they ever eat it at all or no? No. No, that was the weird thing. Wow. But the other bait, I mean, they're literally, you couldn't find an oat on the ground left. It was so bizarre. But in Michigan, every time I've used it, they loved it. Now, I will say that, you know, towards the end of September, they stop eating it just like everything else. It's not like the magic bait or anything, but it's a cheap, good filler bait. You know, that's what I use it for. And, um, and yeah, and it's funny that you had some bears that didn't like the molasses, though. And I've, I've never really had a lot of good luck and I've used molasses even way back in the day. Yeah. I've just, I, and I've always been told from other people, old, old guides and stuff that if you can get your hands on the food grade stuff, mm-hmm. it, it, it's a lot better, but you're going to pay, you know, I think yeah, I paid like seven or $8 for a, 
five gallon jug of it, you know, at, okay. at the, at the feed mill. Okay. Um, but when I, when I made my, I mean, that video you got is excellent for anybody who was be looking to, to make a, make their own bear bait. I mean, and the, the stuff is heavy and they can't drag it off. Yep. Like I say, I, I had a couple spots where they, they ate it. They just kind of got wore off on it a little bit. But after, you know, they still, I don't know if it was because more bears came in or whatever, they consumed it. And then like you did, I had baits where, you know, they, they ate that stuff just like the trail mix and everything. You know what I mean? It's uh, oats. Oats is people been using oats for a long time. I mean, I, I know guys who used to just mix, they would heat up chocolate and mix oats in with that and throw whole corn in it. And oh, yeah. Bears, you yeah. Know? I mean, still in Canada, that you do oats and grease still, you know? Yeah. 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 I mean, and I, I would be scared to try, just try that. You know? Oh, yeah. I'd Man, never try that around here. <laughs> I would never. It's crazy. I know I watch those, I watch those videos in Canada and just the way that they they bait with some of the stuff i'm like man that dog food like dog food seems to be really popular like out west in alaska Idaho, alaska they love it wherever they can bait out there it just seems like you hear a lot about dog food mm-hmm. and to me it, it, it's really expensive even the real cheap stuff if it you is. can find it you know yep well, you got to think like where we're at here in the Midwest and, and, you know, the same applies to the Northeast, like New Hampshire and Maine, you know, we have a lot of like food industry stuff where people can get the yeah. factory scrap, whereas places like in Alaska and out West, it's not quite as accessible. I don't, well, I don't know about out West. It should be. They probably yeah. just don't have it. You know, people haven't really started bear bait businesses there, but up in Alaska, I know, and up in northern Canada, too. I mean, they don't have a whole lot of, like, you know, nearby food, large-scale food factories right. that have a lot of scrap, you know. So. Yeah. But, so this yeah, is what they can. you have, like, the, the, the big four in the Midwest. You have Minnesota, Wisconsin, yep. Michigan, and Maine for the bear baiting states. You know what I mean? Yep. And yep. it seems like... Every year there's new bear bait distributors popping up and I don't know if they're, you know, one guy's buying from a source and then distributing it out to all these other guys because some of them are really big. I mean, oh yeah, I buy from a couple of very large guys who I've heard buy from, like this guy's got an in on the cookie dough and, mm-hmm. you know, he sells it to these couple guys, you know what I mean? Yeah, yep, yep. But yeah. that's a bait. Um, I've only seen one guy um, who generally always has it, but the guys that I've been buying bait from, I haven't seen much for cookie dough out there, mm-hmm. which I'm not a big fan of cookie dough. Um, and trail mix. There was a lot of trail mix early, and for whatever reason, I slacked off on I usually like by May, end of May, I like to get my bait, and I and I waited, and then I was looking around, and nobody had any trail mix that I wanted, and then I called my usually guy, who's always got a lot of trail mix, and they were like, oh man, he's like, we're supposed to get a load in on the 14th, call me at, you know, it should be here by noon, call me at noon, I called him, he's like, no, it's not here, it's delayed, I'm like, Jesus. 
So I think that's when I texted you about the pop tarts or something, and I was yeah. asking other people, and they were like, "Yeah, they they work good, you know." And yep. So then I I made a drive down there because I needed to stock up some some stuff, and and they told me they and uh, the owners saw me pull up, and they're like, "Hey, we we got four big totes of trail mix, and we we're gonna call you today. Do you, do you still want one?" And I'm like, "Absolutely, you know." Yep. Yep. For sure. Yeah, if sure. you can find a good deal on trail mix, jump on it, man. It stores good in barrels. It'll last. And because the price keeps going up every year, it's getting more popular. And it just seems like it, some years it gets, you know, real hard to find. Yep, like this year. I don't know if it's going to stay true for the whole season, but I'll, it sure seemed like it was going to be. Um, and talking to because I bought it from Bob's. And talking to Bob, it sounded like it was gonna—he was gonna have a hard time getting it this year, especially you know, mm-hmm. and especially if you live in a place like well, Michigan and New Hampshire are the the chocolate-free states, and uh, you know, with that restriction, it's hard to get chocolate-free trail mix, you know. Right. So you basically have to have straight nuts. Well, too, I think it was Bob who told me one year, and I know. Um, Corey and Jenny Carlson at Lucky Seven mm-hmm. also told me that when before the whole COVID thing, when they, um, you know, the hog market kind of crashed, yeah, that the pig farmers were jumping, they were buying a lot of, they must have figured out that, hey, there's this is another avenue for us. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure that Bob was one of them. I know Corey and Jenny told me that. The, the hog farmers were really gobbling up the bear bait. Oh, I bet. I bet. I, I'm surprised it didn't happen already, actually. Because I know that um, at the place where I would buy, because uh, I used to go to this bakery outlet near me to get, they would call them feed sacks. And they would just be a trash bag <laughs> full of bear bait, and you, or of like old expired bread. And you could get it for like, I forget what the price was three, four, five bucks, something like that. And it was a good deal because it was a lot of bread. But you, it wasn't bear baiters that were buying it up. It was people with pigs because it would just take the bread and feed to the pigs. And so I thought, I've always wondered why um, hog farmers weren't buying up bear bait because, you know, yeah. they delete it too. We probably shouldn't have even brought it up. <laughs> yeah, maybe I should have. I'll edit this out, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think any pig farmers will be listening to it, but. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, You'd be surprised at some of the listeners I get. Yeah, I know. Pig farmers are usually pretty big bear hunters for guys from Iowa and southern Minnesota. Usually the pig farmers are. Yep. They, they like to bear hunt, man. Those, those uh, Southern Minnesota and Iowa, we take a lot of a lot of bear hunters from there. But yeah. I, that's, uh, that's why I say, I mean, I if you can find it good price and it, it keeps well and in barrels, you can keep it outside. I mean, I got a area where I, I had like a dozen barrels out there probably with covered up, you know, I just, like I say, I put a couple of, uh, or I'll put a, uh, plastic vapor barrier over them, tape it up and, you know, put a couple of sheets of plywood with a, you know, a tarp works too, but the plastic is really tough and yep. shifts the water better than a, than a tarp, but I'll, you know, I'll put a tarp over the, the, uh, four by eight sheets of plywood and then put a couple pallets on it. And I mean, I've held, I've held bear bait like that for years and, and no problems. 
Yeah, exactly. That, that stuff keeps well. So, yeah, if you find a good deal on it, snatch it up. Yep, exactly. And if society collapses, you have a great supply of food right there for you. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I read a story one time, I think it was in Minnesota, they charged a, there was a, a Amish guy who had bought some bear bait and he was bagging it up and, and he was selling it and they actually pinched him for reselling <laughs> Oh, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. That doesn't surprise me one bit. Well, a lot of times, you know as well, I'm sure you've done it too. You've opened up, you know, a box of the, the like gummies or something, and you take a couple bites. You're like, what's yep. wrong with this? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, some of the stuff that we, the candy that we picked up, like the candy corn, and, and that, the expiration date was right on the box, and it was literally like next year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so the stuff was, I mean, in bags, sealed bags, it's just the first and end of run, you know what I mean? There's yep. really yep. nothing wrong with it, you know? Some of the stuff, like the cookies and the Pop-Tarts, I'd be a little suspect on taking a nibble out of, but... Yeah, there's not the a... trail mix always makes me a little nervous, because I've seen mousters in there before. Yeah, yeah. Like, I got a tote of Pop-Tarts last year, and there's not a chance in the world I would have eaten those. <laughs> it smells really good but i'm sure it tastes pretty gnarly yeah well you know like so because i i you know i dug it out with a shovel and put it into buckets eventually you know five gallon buckets and uh, as i was getting into the the middle it was like one giant like dough ball <laughs> so yeah just a warning have fun with that that was that was probably some of the worst stuff i've ever had to shovel because you got in the middle and you just have to like like dig and pry and and pull out these chunks of, sure. of, you know, it's basically a, you know, I forget how much the pallet weighed, but it's like a thousand pound ball of Pop-Tart. <laughs> Mine was actually really easy. I mean, you could have, if oh, you really? wanted to, you could have scooped it out with like a, you know, like a scooper for digging grain out of a, a, really? a feed sack or something. And okay. what I do is I, if, if I get it in total, I just cut like a little entrance into it. Mm -hmm. And then I'll just take a, like a, you know, a pointed number two shovel or even a flat shovel and just, you know, dig it like you're digging a hole. Because a lot of times I like to barrel the stuff up and, and get it in the shop if I can and, yeah, yeah. and keep it in barrels. But, uh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you what, the stuff smells unbelievable. Yeah. Yep. The bears, the bears loves the pop hearts last year. The only issue I had with it was, um, it just, doesn't last very long, you know, just because they eat it up so fast. You know, I mean, you got to right. think about it. If you wanted to and somebody gave you a, you know, 12-pack of Pop-Tarts, it really wouldn't be a big deal for you, to eat all, for you to eat all 12, you know, if you really wanted to, you know. So, <laughs> you know, if somebody gave you 100 bucks and said, eat these 12 Pop-Tarts, you'd be like, all right. <laughs> you know, most people could probably do it. So, you know, for yeah. a bear, they can eat like 50 times the amount you can, it seems like. So, <laughs> yeah. but they love it. So, so that's the perk. So, so yeah, yeah. I, I can't believe it. It's almost here. I mean, where, did, where did summer go, man? I know. I know. We're, yeah, for, for folks listening, it's uh, July 21st today. So, um, 
yeah, so if the predictions we made at the beginning of this episode don't come to be true, it's because we predicted this at July 21st. But I, I think we're pretty spot on. It's not like raspberries at this point are magically going to pop open. You know, just re, right. repollinate or whatever. So, um, yeah. as an example. So, so yeah. But, anyway. Well, should probably yeah. cut, cut this short. Or not cut it short. We've been going quite a bit, so... Yeah. Any uh, anything else you want to talk about, man? Huh? I don't know if you if you have, if you have any questions for me, I'm you know, willing to willing to answer them. Let's take a look. Um, I mean, I, I am willing to say that I've I've uh, this year it seems like the most prepared I've been. Like I, besides waiting on the trail mix, I yeah, I bought a pallet of stands i had them all put together i saw that to go and paperwork's all lined up and taken care of and insurance is bought and awesome we're pretty much here we're 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 pretty much ready to, to go as you know as far as uh baiting and everything just kind of i'd like to get out and, and poke around in the woods a few more times i gotta i like to about two weeks before baiting, I like to go out and go through all the baits and just make sure that, you know, the trails are good going into them, with, you know, and, and uh, there's no down trees or anything like that. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of prep work involved that people don't see that, that oh, doesn't yeah. pay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Are you fully booked up or do you have any openings right now? We're, we're totally full. I, um, I think I have 30 clients for two weeks. Nice. Um, and that might seem like a lot, but we run a lot of, um, uh, semi-guided style hunts where we provide the base site. We have them baited. The stands are in the trees and the guys just come up and, and then they start hunting. It's basically like if you were doing it yourself, except you didn't start the bait site and bait it and hang the stand. But once you arrive, you take over all the baiting, tracking, skinning. Yep. Yeah. And then we rent out uh, freezer pace and stuff like that. That's really popular. Like for the for the first week, I think we're going to have eighteen guys out there, and I only eight of those guys are fully guided. And then the following week. We only have five that are fully guided. The rest are are uh, do-it-yourself guys, and we got a couple big groups of guys that have been here before that are that are coming back. And you know, they start off doing it fully guided for a couple of times, and you know, and then they want to test themselves and they kind of get it figured out, and they want to you know kind of do it on their own. You, you're only saving a couple hundred bucks, so it's not like it's. Uh, end of the world or anything but people do get a kind of a kick out of oh yeah you know, working it themselves and we tell them you know bring a we give them two baits and they say here you go you take care of these two baits this is what's going on bring your own cameras now because this is basically like if you were if you were doing it yourself you got to figure figure it out you know we're always there to answer questions and help and stuff like that you know but nice uh, 
some guys get a little in over their heads. I don't like to sell those hunts to guys that generally haven't bear hunted before. I've, I've heard all the stories like, you know, I was like elk hunted out west and, you know, well, <laughs> did you horseback in or did you just go into a unit and walk in a half a mile? You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Because there's, I've had guys where, I mean, I had a 70-year-old guy come with his buddy and they both had tags. And this guy had hunted all over the world and he had bear hunted in Wisconsin, but it was with an outfitter who did everything and, and he got sick of waiting to get drawn. So he came here and I said, Hey man, this is a whole nother ball game mm-hmm. compared to zone C in Wisconsin. Yep. Yeah. This big woods environment, you know, and, and his buddy could only hunt a couple of days and had to leave and left him. Well, the the third day he shot a bear about two hundred and fifty some pounds, and when oh, he walked no. up to, it, to where it ran, he realized he was in trouble. Yeah, it was crazy because I just happened to be driving by when he was coming back into cell phone signal to try to try to call me, and mm-hmm. and I told him when we when we drugged it out, I'm like, this man, you would you would have killed yourself. Yeah, trying to drag this thing out of here, you know. Yeah, exactly. So it. We try to, unless you have prior bear hunting experience, we try to steer people just for their own good because if you run, we got to charge you, yeah, for our time, you know what I mean? So, exactly, we it, it's going to cost you a fully guided hunt anyway, you know, yeah. And I mean, there's a huge difference between skinning a bear and your headlights or lantern lights than it is bringing it back here and getting it under LED lights up on a winch. <laughs> you know oh, what yeah, I mean? for sure. Those winches are nice. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. I mean, I, I would recommend it, like, if anybody was going to start bear hunting, I mean, find a reasonable guide and try to learn from them and go with them and figure it, get kind of, get your feet wet anyways it's kind of not something you just want to dive right into yeah yeah it's it's a lot of work it is it is you know i mean if you're up for the adventure you know just realize that it's you know be prepared it's an adventure yeah it's an adventure be prepared you know it's not you know deer hunting down the farm you know it's 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 a whole nother ball game so especially when you get especially if you're in the big woods you know I mean, the big yeah, woods all, are it, big. It's like the jungle, <laughs> you know? Yep. And you can get lost easy. Very easily. And it's all nighttime. A yeah. lot of it is all nighttime stuff. Probably 90% of it is going to be tracking in the dark. Yep. Gutting in the dark and dragging in the dark. And if, and then if, if you don't have anywhere to get that bear cooled off, you're going to be skinning. And yep. I mean, there's times where... You know, when I, when I ran, you know, I've taken as many as 15 fully guided hunts by myself and had six, seven bear down the first night. And it's basically, <laughs> and I can, I can do a bear quick, real yeah. fast, yep. and quarter it. I'm set up to where I can really jam on it. And, you know, I might be up till three, four in the morning. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. For sure. But sure. I have the guys that I take all like to chip in and, and most guys like to be a part of it. I don't take a lot of guys who 
just want to show up and shoot. You know what I mean? And yeah. Not, they're here to shoot, you know? Yep. Yep. To me, that's not, that's not hunting. I've taken a lot of people who have gone on to do their own hunting in different parts of the state or Wisconsin and with stuff that I've learned and become very successful bear hunters to where I can think of one couple right now that they actually moved um, into zone C and uh, they get tags every year and hunt right on their 120 acres and they, they shoot a bear every year. Nice. That's cool. That's saying something in zone C too, because zone C is tough. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Any questions? No, I think, I think that's about it. Um, yeah, I think, I think we went through everything I kind of want to talk about. So yeah, I think we're good. So yeah. Anything else you want to talk about? I think we're taking, uh, next year, uh, Jerry, the, um, bear, black bear bow hunter society guy is going to become hunting with us. Oh, Jerry is cool. That's awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah. He reached out. Yeah. I would, I would have to imagine it's either next year or the year after he's got to have three points by now. Yeah. Yeah. It's hmm, interesting because, um, I will have enough points next year for zone 31 as well. So, hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I have to think about that one. Hmm. Have to do a live podcast from like bear camp. I know. I know. Seriously. Yeah. Cause I could, I could have, I could have drawn zone 31 this year, but I, you know, with everything going on, I, it's already kind of booked up as it is. So, huh. We'll have to, yeah. We'll yeah. Have you to look got the Alaska hunt coming up. So. Yeah. I leave in, as of today, I leave in, uh, eight days. So, Looking, Gotta be pretty pumped for that. Oh, very, very, very excited. So it's going to be kind of the the biggest hurdle for me with all the, all the COVID stuff going on is right now they have to when I get there. Well, within seventy two hours of flying out, I have to get COVID tested and hopefully get the results back in time um, in order to go hunting or you know in, before I get mm-hmm. there anyway and. Um, and so that's been kind of a challenge because there's so many people trying to get COVID tested right now. But, um, right. I, yeah, but I think I got it worked out, so it should be good. Um, but that's the biggest hurdle that I got to get through. And then as soon as that's done, I am golden. So I've got everything should be squared away. I just need to pack and go. So, yeah, I well, that's, 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 I mean, that's left, uh, I mean, we were even in Lippo here, you know, it's, We've only have one positive case in the county that I live in. Yeah. And there's been a huge push, and I live in a tourist town. Mm-hmm. Pretty much the whole county is too based on tourism. Everything is pretty much, you know, restaurants and gift shops. And, and uh, you know, a lot of the places have capacity and you have to wear a mask. I don't live in town. I live outside of town. Yeah. But in town, they were voting today in the city council whether to mandate uh, masks. I know that the county board and the city council had already sent uh, letters of recommendation to Governor Walls to make that mandatory. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and also I haven't heard anything from the state. I don't know if it would apply to me, but a lot of the businesses, they wanted like a COVID plan, what your plans were going to be. Um, like my in-laws own a outfitting and they also rent out like wilderness cabins. Okay. And I believe that they had to submit, uh, you know, this plan on, you know, what their social distancing plan was and their cleaning regimen and all this stuff. I haven't got anything for that. Um, but a lot of our state and federal campgrounds here were closed up until they got enough pressure where they opened them on the 4th of July. And I have a lot of guys that like to camp at these campgrounds because they're, they can bring a boat and fish or whatever. And I yeah. was like, geez, guys, you know, they, they have running water, they have toilets, they have garbage there. They have the fishing lake and, you know, it's relatively, you know, cheap to camp there at night. Yeah. And uh, I was like, Hey, I, you know, this is what's going on. They're closed right now. I don't know what's going on. Um, they had like big cattle gates up and all the dumpsters and garbage cans and the water was shut off. Um, and a lot of the boat landings there were closed and they finally had a got enough pressure where they opened them up. But I mean, there was like, there was a point there over Memorial and stuff. All this stuff is closed. There was no camping. Like, here on the state land and the federal land, you know, you can you can go camp in like an old gravel pit or something or yep, yep, same here. old logging landing. You can pull up and camp and you just gotta move every fourteen days, I believe it is. Well yeah. that was even that wasn't gonna fly. Mm-hmm. So then it's like, well, the motels, the little cabins for rent and all that stuff was closed. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like, I don't know what I'm gonna I don't know what to tell these guys, you know. And, so we were up until about the fourth. There was a there was a little bit of we were in limbo there. Like what guys had, uh, you know, I think July first was the first day you could buy your tag, and guys are texting me and emailing. We got our tags, and it's just like, oh man, you know, what do I, what do we, what do I tell them? Mm-hmm. You know. And I had emailed the state, and they were like, nope, the the hunt is going to go on, and 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 all that but the the lodging issue i mean i have enough space here i usually have a couple guys who like got a little spot for camping in the woods at my house and you know but i, I can't have 18 guys here you know what i mean right, also right. with my my wife has got a compromised immune system so we're gonna you know however you feel about the whole covid thing whether it's political or not or whatever mm-hmm. i I told all my guys, you know, bring masks and yep. just to out of courtesy to me. Yeah, exactly. And everybody else in the camp and, you know, we'll, cause yeah, I got guys coming in from all over the country. Oh yeah. So yeah. Yeah. We just want to sure. make sure and, you know, we'll probably, you know, some guys, if they're in like a group of two or three, they, I might just, you know, have them drive and uh, I'll go in and bait for them. You know, I want to make sure to keep everybody safe because I mean, we're, you know, I've, I've heard and read a stories that, I mean, if you're a business and you allow somebody with COVID in and they get somebody else sick, I mean, there's a possibility you could get sued. Yeah, know? exactly. Yep. Yep. Whether that's, I, I, I don't want to even find out if that's 
thriller. Exactly. Not, I don't even want to go down that road. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Yeah, and I I think with all this, I mean, you know, you got a whole bunch of people coming into a camp like that. You you just got to take precautions, you know, especially with your wife right. and stuff. You know, makes sense. So. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I'm pumped to hear about the Alaska story, man. I, oh, yeah. I hope, you, hope you mash one. Are you baiting or spotting stock? Baiting. So, yep. So, so Jess and Steve from Baitum907, they're, um, they're letting me hunt one of their baits. So, I'm uh, in the, their, cool. their, their unit they hunt is one of the units that you can bait basically from, I forget what the start date is, like May 1st or. I, yeah, I think it's, yeah, whenever you can start baiting up there through, like, October 15th. And then there's no closed season on black bears up there in that unit either. So, cool. yeah, so they just, they got their bait up and running again. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's cool. It's going to be a boat in only, you, you can only get there by boat. So it should be a pretty cool hunt. Um, last yeah. time they Last time they pulled the camera, there was a couple grizzlies running around there too. And, uh. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a blast. So, yeah. So can you take a grizzly with no. that tag or no? No, Basically I can't. Black bear? Just, just black bear, yep. Yeah, because in order to, to shoot a grizzly in Alaska, if you're non-resident, you either have to have a guide or if you're, like, next of kin, you know, your your first first or second sure. kindred, you know, like brother or dad or something has to be with you or whatever, so... Unfortunately, I don't have any family members. Yeah, exactly. So, unfortunately, I do not have any immediate family in Alaska, which is sad, but oh well. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, so I can't shoot a grizzly, unfortunately, this trip. So, um, but that's fine, because I'm, you know, I'm not going up there because I'm looking for an opportunity to shoot a black bear. It's just, you know, I'm going for the adventure, and, uh, you know, the right. bear hunts the the vessel for it. So, but yeah. and they're they're great people. I've I've dealt with them. Yeah, they're great great people. So yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you but did you buy? Did you get your sense from them again this year? I uh, I haven't. I talked to her, but uh, I haven't uh, got anything from her yet. I still kind of haven't. That's like the last thing I really got to to get, I, I actually, I do have, um, I got a bunch of stuff left over from her last year. I have, okay. some, uh, I got some, what do I got here? Michigan mash and bear tar and, yep. and, uh, I love that bear fruity, tar. fruity pebble paste and nice. And, uh, death moan. Okay. Mix and, uh, and some, I, I, I know what a lot of the, the stuff and the ingredients is and the one thing that everybody likes to use. I told you that. So I'm going to yeah. make up a lot of my, my stuff, own stuff this year. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'll probably pick up another gallon or two of stuff from her and I buy from another outfit too and you know, yep. spread it around. I mean, there's some definite different kind of stuff that I like to get that, uh, a lot of people don't use. I mean, anise, anise overall in testing is the number one bear attractant as far as smell. Yeah. And, yep. uh, but a lot of guys use it. A lot of guys use bacon. A lot yep. of guys use liquid smoke. Stuff all works. But I just try to, 
I try to be a little bit, have some different stuff, you know. Yeah, I do the and same I, thing. I really like that uh, that Minnesota Mellow and the Michigan Mash and the and the fruity fruity pebble paste. I don't know if it's just because I really like the smell <laughs> of it or what. There's something to be said about that. Pebble granola that I that I have found. Yeah, that that and trail mix. That I I would put that right up against trail mix. Yeah. Any day of the week. That's a, that is a really good bait. Interesting. Yep. I have never seen that advertised anywhere. I will if I saw it, I would get some for sure, just because you've you've said how good it works, but I've never seen it anywhere. I I the last time I saw it advertised was uh this little there's a little family run business over in Podunk, Wisconsin that I I think it was called Hollow Stump or something like that. It was just a husband and wife, and okay, they had a few things. They weren't a real big. I don't even know how I stumbled upon this, but yep, they had Fruity Pebble, and I called up, and the, the lady's like, "Yeah, we have it." And, you know, they were way far. They were like over by Green Bay or something. Oh wow, like that. yeah. And I said, "Can you ship it?" I said, "What do you have?" And she said, "Well, we have eight barrels." I'm like, "Well, I'll take it all." Yeah, and she's like well, can you come and get it? I said, no, ship it to me. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, I don't know how to do that. So then I told her, just call speedy delivery. You know, it's going to be this, probably this a pallet. And, yep. and uh, I said, if you need a little more money for your time, you know, I'm willing to pay a little extra. Cause I said, I want it all. Take all eight barrels. Yep. And she was very surprised. She thought I was like kidding. And I'm like, no, I mean, <laughs> I, I'll, I will take it all. And if you're getting any more in, let me know. Cause I'll buy that too. Right. And uh, she called me back a day later, and she's like, oh, yeah, it's real easy. Speedy's going to come up and uh, pick it up. And, you know, usually when you can find a place that will ship bait, you got to kind of – you have to ship it to, you know, like my buddy owns a lumber yard here in town, so they have forklifts and stuff. So yeah, yeah. They can get it unloaded, and then they load it up in my trailer. But – even if you have it delivered to your house and say you had a forklift there or a skid steer to lift it off, they charge you like an extra 15, 20 bucks a pallet because they had to drive to your house, you know? Yeah. Yeah. For some reason it's cheaper to have it. Uh, but I have a lot of stuff delivered simply because of the weight. And um, for me, where I live, it's just, I'm in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it's, it's two hours for me to any sort of like, big city so Duluth is the closest thing to me and yeah you know there's some guys who sell bear bait around there and I've you know given them some business but usually they're buying it from like a big bigger outfit than trying to you know the if if some place is selling a barrel of trail mix for 80 bucks they're they want a hundred you know what I mean yep. I'm not gonna pay that for a barrel you know yeah so. exactly exactly yeah yeah it's one you know I usually those kind of places you know, if for some reason I miscalculated how much bait I need or, you know, if there's a shortage or something that I can't get it, then I'll, then I'll use them. But yeah, that's not my first resort. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, if, like I, I said it 20 times today, man, if you, if you have a bait that really kicks ass for you and works real good and you can find it for a good price and, Man, you you jump on it because some of this stuff, like, you know, you don't see candy hearts and candy corn come around too often. No, you, you know don't. I mean? 
and I I jumped on it and, and bought a whole pickup load of boxes and had to <laughs> cut them all open and dump them into barrels. But it's worth it. And sometimes even with the gummies, you got to watch with the gummies you get. Um, I've bought them, you know, by the pallet before because gummies are really good too. And yep. Sometimes you buy them and they're like welded together. Yeah. You know what I mean? Gummy blocks. Blobs, which yeah. They just grab and they run off. When, they sure you know, do. Get it where you can just get them in a five gallon or put them in a fifty five gallon drum and scoop them out with a scooper. Is you know you can find them like that. Yeah. I, I, I remember one time when there was a gummy gummy shortage, a good shortage of, of gummies, and this place called and told me and was like, hey, yeah, if you want some gummy bears or any sort of gummies, you better get on it because there's going to be a shortage. And I'm lucky that way that I know I have enough contacts in the bear bait world, so to speak, that they, they think of me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, trick with the gummies, by the way, um, just keep them out of the sun. You know, if they're not fused together, yeah. don't put them in the sun because they will fuse together. I mean, just, the, I mean, think about leaving, a, I don't know how many people eat, you know, gummies from the gas station too often. But, you know, if you leave it in your car, you'll have that same gummy block in your, in a bag if you leave it in the car in the summer, yeah. you know. So just keep it out of the sun. If it's not fused together, keep it out of the sun. So. Yeah. 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 For sure. Well, I don't want to take up your whole night. <laughs> oh no, it's good. It's good. So, no, I, I, you are, you are, you're my best self-tending guest on this podcast. We just, <laughs> it is so easy to get super long podcasts with you. It's fun. So, <laughs> but yeah, I do want to go to bed. So, <laughs> yeah. But anyway. All right. Well, hey, thanks for coming on, well, I man. I wish everybody luck out there this fall. I yeah. Everybody, hope they have good luck and good weather and yep, good for, shoot. For sure. Yeah. Same to everybody else. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll catch you guys next time. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>